Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All righty, good morning, good morning, and a great Monday morning you and yours. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask, as always, you please subscribe to the program. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, where the show is streaming on the Chatterbox Sports page. If you would prefer to find us in podcast form, search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Well, look, first half. Wasn't pretty, not by any means, but most of the time when you're playing in divisional games, they're not pretty. Teams know you, you know them, you look around the AFC North and most other divisions more times than not, not every time. It's low scoring and it's tight. Injuries were a major factor for the Bengalis yesterday. We told you about the uh, T. Higgins thing. He shows up on the injury report last week with a hamstring on Wednesday. And we said, hey, look, this is something not to fool around with. He was in the play for one snap in the game. Tyler Boyd played two plays before injuring his finger, a dislocated finger, we're told. But the most troubling injury of all is to Trey Hendrickson. He broke his wrist in the fourth quarter and still played the next series. He's not expected back until the playoffs start. The bottom line is Joe Burrow and the Bengals exercise the demons known as the Cleveland Browns in a 23-10 win to stay atop, tied atop the AFC North at 9-4 and four with Cincinnati's first win since 2019 against their in-state rivals. Joe Mixon came back, runs for nearly 100 yards and only 14 carries. In fact, you take away six Joe Burrow rushes, and some of them were important, but they were for minimal yards. The Bengals would have averaged nearly seven yards per carry in the game. The defense simply lights out. Deshaun Watson was better than his first game back. Not a lot, but a little bit better. Threw for 276. The difference was the runs defense. Cleveland averaged 2.5 yards per carry. Nick Chubb was not even a factor. 14 attempts, 34 yards. Next up for the Bengals, a trip to Tampa Bay this Sunday. The Bucs are awful. They're awful. Pure and simple. Their offense is one of the worst offenses, and they've got future Hall of Famers all over the place. They get boat raced yesterday by the 49ers, 35-7. Bad news in that one, by the way. Debo Samuel, arguably the best player in the NFL that's not a quarterback, was carted off with an ankle injury. Game time for the Bengals in Tampa this Sunday, 425. We've got Zim Hude coming up, Brian Billick coming up, and of course, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritchner, Brandon Seho. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning, Tom. How was your weekend? Great weekend. Great weekend. Sun shining here in Hamilton, Ohio. Beautiful Monday. Good win for the Bengalis. Paul Fritschner still celebrating the Crosstown shootout. <laughs> we'll talk more about all of those shortly. The Ravens keep losing quarterbacks, yet they just keep on winning. Tyler Huntley, already filling in for the injured Lamar Jackson, was concussed in the third quarter at Pittsburgh. So what did they do? They hand the ball to Anthony Brown, 
an undrafted rookie quarterback out of Oregon who was just activated off the practice squad this week. And they decided we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to run and play defense. They run for 215 yards. First game back for the former Buckeye, J.K. Dobbins. He runs for 120. And the run game, coupled with the defense, it intercepted Mitchell Trubisky three times inside the 20. Kenny Pickett was knocked out of that game. One pass attempt into it. The Ravens at 9-4 and four still hold the tiebreak over the Bengals in the AFC North. The Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, look. This is insane. They are 12-1. and one. A major beatdown of the New York football Giants yesterday, 48-22. The G-Men have won once in their last six games. And the MVP of the league, just give it to the guy now. Burrow's having a great year. Allen's having a great year, Mahomes. The MVP of the league is Jalen Hurts. End of story. Two more touchdown passes, and Philadelphia clinches a playoff spot with five games left in the season. Cowboys, a miracle finish, late touchdown run by Ezekiel Elliott, barely beating one win Houston, 27-23. The Bills down the Jets, 20-12. They're 10-3 and still sit atop the AFC playoff picture as a number one seed. Shocker of the day, the Lions, Casey, your guys. Yep, that's not a shocker to me, but... You said from the beginning of the year, watch Alliance, the battling Chris Fieldmans, as we call him. Detroit lights up Minnesota 34-23. Jared Goff has not thrown a pick in five weeks. He throws three touchdown passes, 330 yards. The Lions are 6-7 and seven and a game and a half out of the NFC playoffs. College football, Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy on Saturday. Not a surprise. Williams finished ahead of TCU's Mac Duggan in the voting, with C.J. Stroud of Ohio State finishing third, Stetson Bennett of Georgia fourth. I got to tell you, and I said this to Casey earlier, I don't pay a lot of attention to Kayla Williams instead of, except for watching him play football. His speech is something I would highly recommend each and every one of you, if you got a few minutes, to go back and watch it. This kid is first class all the way and the same for his mom and dad it was unbelievable the story that he told in eighth grade he comes back home one day he's told he's too small to be a good football player in a nutshell he gets in the car with his dad and he says dad i love football i love the smell of football i love the language of football I want to be a great football player. His dad says to him, son, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to go get it. What do you want to do about it? They go home and they write out this entire plan. They got up for five years at five o'clock in the morning. Worked out at 530. He went to school all day, came back home. They worked out again at four o'clock. It was just unbelievable the whole Caleb Williams story of course of the four guys that were there Williams Trojans are the only team not in the college football playoff and it's interesting to note got nothing against Lincoln Riley but Williams is his third Heisman Trophy winner joining Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray when he was at Oklahoma 
Yet Riley has never had a team win a college football playoff game. Not one. Oh, and three. And then, of course, they choked it off this year when they lost to Utah in the Pac-12 Conference Championship game. Paul, you're laughing. You're snickering at that comment. Were you snickering at that? No. no. I thought you, you sure? No. Yeah. Your guys, Lincoln Riley. <laughs> what an amazing game in the annual Army-Navy clash in Philadelphia. Some of us around here knew the Army was dialed in. Jeff Munkin, leader of men. Double overtime. Army wins it 20-17. to 17. Sad news. Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach is in the hospital in Jackson, Mississippi. No further details have been released. Leach did say he struggled with pneumonia during the season. Our prayers are with him and his family. Talked about Xavier holding off a late UC run, beating the Bearcats in the Crosstown shootout 80-77. to Muskies now 7-3 on the year. They host Southern tomorrow night before opening Big East play Friday night at Georgetown. And the Big East stinks. I mean, it stinks. It does. Creighton's okay. UConn's really good. Xavier is good. Outside of that, I mean, you can lose to anybody anytime. But this year, the league is down. UC, 6-4, will host Miami Wednesday night at Fifth Third Arena. Number one, Houston loses over the weekend to eighth-ranked Alabama. Number two, Texas loses to Illinois. And look. Paul Fritchner, before we get into the Bengals, you follow college basketball religiously. Yeah. I got to tell you, I don't remember a year this early, and I know we're only in December, and maybe somebody will turn out to be the team that looks like they're the one to beat. But it doesn't look like – I mean, you, I think you can make an argument. There are 15 teams when all said and done. Maybe more that could be in the top three, top five. Yeah, I would really say right now there – I would say there are probably four um, I'd look at Connecticut, Houston, Texas, and Purdue. Maybe you could put Tennessee in that conversation too. Um, I haven't seen a ton of Tennessee this year, so I don't want to say it just from my perspective. I know a lot of people have talked about it, but I don't want to just regurgitate everybody else. Connecticut to me, though, um, and I'm, they have looked unbelievable this year. They don't have any holes on that team. I would take Connecticut as the number one team in the country right now. Texas maybe number two. I know they lost, but – also, some news coming out this morning about Chris Beard being arrested, yep. their head coach. Uh, that's certainly a situation to keep an eye on. So, yeah, they, Purdue has looked fantastic. They're 10-0. I'd say Connecticut, Purdue, 1-2 probably. But Purdue, I mean, they needed overtime to beat Nebraska over the weekend. So Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. When I, when I said that about 15 or 20, yeah. at the end of the day, any of those teams you just mentioned, okay, in, in a month from now, if they ran into Kentucky, they run into Duke, yeah. they run into Gonzaga, Right? They run into Arizona, yeah. right? Who took it to Indiana. Um, you know, they're a whole laundry list. I mean, in Carolina, they lost four in a row. They won over the weekend. I mean, at the end of the day, if tomorrow um, UConn or any of those teams you just met, Virginia, yeah. they're going to play Duke in North Carolina a couple of times before the year is over. I mean, you wouldn't bet big money on Virginia to beat North Carolina or Duke when they play. Would you? North Carolina is bad. You say what you want about North Carolina. Duke, we'll see Duke in is January. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. right now, I mean, they've just they've also been missing their best players. So we'll, and Kentucky we'll see. starting to you know. Yeah. I mean, they always take a little while. Yeah, it takes a little while when you're young. Um, we've got them by the, the the hundreds, if not thousands, in the group chat. Uh, some of our regular cast of characters on board: Sir Boy Wonder, B Soul Five One Three, Terrell. New, Greg Jones said, good to see you, Tommy. Greg, good seeing you, brother. 
Greg Sr. Williams here, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop. Or is that? Yes. Okay. LaRon is back. I like Bacon. Who's that? Have we seen him before? Right. Him or her? We've seen him once or twice. Okay. Um, Killmar's in with a 6412 uh, Mars. Excalibur Iron Force. All right, boys. Uh, Big Art just jumped in. All right, boys. Um, the Bengals. Let's talk about the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Okay. Well, okay. The- Let's start with the good. The good is you won the game. First time Joe Burrow, uh, as a starting quarterback in the National Football League, beats the Cleveland Browns. Um, shaky start, but got it together. And the defense is good. Yes, defense is good. Um, we, they were who we thought they were, and the Browns stink. Um, just simple as that. Deshaun wasn't quite ready to come and play a championship-level defense. He is getting better, though. That, that is one thing I said. I said Deshaun would suck week one, which he did. Yep. He came back this week, looked a lot better. Yep. Let's see if he can beat the, the Ravens now, who are without their, their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback. So I'm, I'm really hoping Deshaun can make a, a full comeback here in, in uh, the next couple of days. But anyways, that's not the only thing that was good. Um, Joe Burrow just lights people up. Doesn't matter who's on the field. Okay, it, well, h- hold on. Hold on now. What? Okay. In the first half, he wasn't lighting anybody up. I mean, let's don't get carried away now. I mean, he played a good game. He didn't play a light them up great game. Seven balls batted down. They put up that graphic. 25 balls batted down. Under a lot of pressure, Paul, what are you shaking your head? What, I, I what are you, just, you with me on this? I just get so frustrated. Every time I was sitting there watching the game yesterday at a big family party, and, and a few of us were sitting there locked in on the game, and I just every time a ball gets batted down, I'm just shaking my head, and I'm thinking to myself, it hasn't really come back to hurt the Bengals too much. I mean, there have been a couple of batted balls this year that have been intercepted, including one yesterday. But unless I'm forgetting a situation this year, which I could be, I don't think there's been a batted ball that's turned into an interception that's been completely game-changing, but I'm just waiting on something on a batted ball to go terribly wrong in a late-game situation. With How many times are we going to see a ball go into the defensive line? I just feel like it's three or four times a game, every game. And I don't know what the... I don't know what the, the, the fix is for that because you can tell what he's trying to do and fitting it in those tight windows, and you don't want to take away from who he is as a quarterback, so you don't really want him to stop doing it. But at the same time, you can't just keep getting those passes batted down or batted into the air and then intercept it. I don't really know. I, I'm not coach. I don't know how to fix that. It just seems off. Well, we'll ask Brian Billick about that because it's an interesting point you make. I'm not going to sit here and claim to know what the answer is. I have no idea. I do know that they put up that graphic yesterday during the telecast of his first whatever it was, 700 passes in the NFL, and only like 12 of them were batted down, and now this year it's been 25. I mean, there's something there. But the bottom line is, is Burrow got it together when they needed to. Uh, Their depth, uh, we've talked about this on this show regularly, their depth in Duke Tobin. Uh, who's the head of player personnel, the de facto general manager of the team. Uh, Their depth just continues to show up every time you turn around. And it's going to be tested even more so now. But but to start with, we talked about 
Higgins, one play. Boyd, two play. Which, by the way, let, 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 me, just, let, let me just interrupt something here for a second. And, 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 and look, I sat in the TV booth for 16, 17 weeks a year for 25 years on the NFL. And there are things when you go into a game that you have to get in. Okay, your production meeting the night before, you want to get the lineups in and all that kind of stuff, okay? And, and they say, okay, after the first play, we're going to put up the offense lineups. After the second play, unless, of course, it's a touchdown, we're going to put up the defensive starters, okay? That's what we're going to do, and that's what every single group does. Some of them do it differently than others. I'm sitting at home yesterday on the second play of the game, and I see right away that throw to Boyd. And you saw it too. Many of you saw it too. Where all of a sudden, he is in unbelievable pain and starts going, this is Tyler Boyd now, okay? This isn't like some stiff, okay? And, and, and what does CBS want to do? They want to make sure they get in the lineup. They did not get a report on Tyler Boyd until the end of the first quarter. He was hurt the second play of the game. Turns out to be a dislocated finger. Um, but... Uh, Trent Taylor, Irwin, yep. they continue to step in. They didn't have Hayden Hurst. Um, you know, look, the depth is amazing. But now that we're down to the final four weeks, two in a row on the road, the last two at home against two of the monsters in the AFC, back-to-back, Bills and Ravens, um, I'm a little concerned about it. In fact, I'm more than a little concerned because yeah. Hendrickson, they're saying, is not back to the playoffs. I think we all agree. We, we've said on the show, Sam Hubbard's having a great year. DJ Reader is a monster, should be a pro bowler. But at the end of the day, it is rare to see any of the Bengals. It's happened every now and again. But it's rare to see anybody on that defense get to the quarterback besides Trey Hendrickson. But at least and now you're not going to have him for at least – Four weeks, maybe longer. I I don't disagree with you, but you just look at the first two opponents we face, Tampa and the Patriots, and it is not – I wouldn't say it's extremely critical that we need to have a stellar pass rush against them. It really does help, especially if you look at the 49ers and what they did to Tom Brady. But that wasn't the reason why they really won the game. It was because they were just dominant – over their defense. Tampa's defense has gone south fast. I don't know what the problem is. I haven't really been keeping up with them as much. I don't know if it's injury-related. Yeah, their offensive line has just been decimated by injuries. Right, but I'm saying for their team defensively. Yeah, defense, yeah. yeah. You're right, they've fallen apart. It it is miserable. And Tom Brady's doing his best to keep together. And you can see that. But, I mean, it's tough. It's really tough on them. So, I think... We match up really well with them right now yep. as things stand. Yep. And I'm going to see later tonight when the Patriots play the Cardinals what we're up against in that front. But I'm not really scared of a anemic Patriots offense if we're missing uh, Trey Hendrickson for extended periods of time. So for me, these next two weeks, I'm not that concerned. It's the following two weeks where we don't know what Trey Hendrickson's timetable is yet. But the Bills game is on a Monday night, so that gives them at least three weeks. Yep. Three weeks in a day. Yep. 
to, to fully recover. Three weeks from today. Three weeks from today to get a full recovery. Um, and he might play with, with a cast on. We don't really know yet how serious it was. And same thing with Tyler Boyd. I mean, Mike Hilton, it took him a week to come back from his dislocation. Well, they had, that was when they had the bye week. Okay, so he yeah, had yeah, an extra right. week. He had surgery. Uh, and they fixed uh, uh, his finger, and he came back the following week against Pittsburgh after the bye. Yeah, and that's not even really – those two aren't the serious injuries I'm worried about because those, to me, are short timetables. They'll be ready for when it really matters, the playoffs. I'm worried about T. Higgins. Hamstring injuries tend to linger for a long time. He tried to play, wasn't able to play. That, those are tricky, tricky injuries. Yes, they are. And – if it does not fully recover, if it's not fully healed and you try to play on it, you risk the injury to be even greater. A teared hamstring would likely kick him out of any sort of playoff run, any Super Bowl type of run that we would want to aspire to. So to me, that that is the tricky injury out of all the, the players that were hurt this last Sunday. T. Higgins is the one I'm looking out for the most. I think he affects the game the most out of everyone. But like I said, Joe Burrow will will cook teams regardless. He is going to hit the open man, give the guy an opportunity. And there was a few plays where Irwin or Taylor were cutting across, heading towards the sideline. They just couldn't get their feet in bounds or they just barely off target. That's going to get cleaned up. Joe Burrow will get that cleaned up with those guys. He's going to start hitting those guys better on those out routes and to yep. the, the comeback routes to the sideline. And once that happens, you know, it'll be the same old Joe Burrow. I mean, he, he still looked like the same old Joe Burrow to me last week or this, this Sunday. That throw to Jamar Chase, so pinpoint. Oh, yeah. I mean – Threading the needle. Well, he's a man. I mean, Burrow's a man. Uh, Dwayne, what's the deal? Why, why are you getting so worked up here? I mean, seriously. He just wrote in, Tom, stop it. If you're that damn concerned, don't watch anymore. Tired of the pessimistic attitude every time someone gets injured. Dwayne, look. I'm not being pessimistic about any of it. I'm optimistic about their team. These are real issues this is a sports talk show. We're talking about the Bengals, and you have to ask questions. Everybody laughed us off here last week when we said the T. Higgins thing might be something to be concerned about when he shows up on the injury list on Thursday. He played one play. Tyler Boyd left the second play of the game, didn't come back. Hendrickson has a broken wrist. That is not being pessimistic. It is just laying all the cards out on the table. Yeah. Nothing mean, it, more, nothing less. It's a different type of struggle. I mean, we've done it without Chase and Reader. I mean, like, those two are yep. just as important as Higgins and Hendrickson, in my opinion. Maybe those two are even more important, Chase and Reader. But we'll adapt. We'll figure it out. Osai's been looking pretty good the last couple of weeks. I know he's got little time to play, but that's because Hendrickson is a great talent right. on the field. You don't want to bring him out when those dire situations call so let's just not panic but let's just have some concern about what the game plan is going in i really think that they try to use osai a lot more i think he gets the start yeah he'll get the start and we'll 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 see the one game that osai did really well on let's not forget 
was that preseason game against Tampa against Tristan Wirfs or whatever. Well, I starting. think he's going to be out now. I think he got injured again yesterday. I think that's one of the major uh, things that continues to happen to Tampa Bay. I mean, everybody in the league has injury. I mean, boy, I mean, if you're the San Francisco 49ers right now. I it just doesn't matter. They, they've they got the the best backup backup quarterback in the league and Purdy. Oh, man, that kid. He was the first. Uh, it was the eighth time that a – quarterback made his first start in the NFL against Tom Brady. The first seven guys were 0-7. And Purdy breaks through with a victory. Did you see his post game? It was really cute yesterday. Did you see that? In stadium or the press conference? In the press conference. Did you see him talking about Tom Brady? No, I did not. Did you hear any of that? I mean, it was was really cool because Purdy's a young guy, uh, has grown up. If you're a quarterback, it, it, look, it, look, if you're in the band, everybody's broken, uh, watched Tom Brady, right? I mean, he's been you know, the, the greatest of all time. And when Purdy and Brady shook hands after the game and whatever it was that Brady said to him and they get in a press conference and Purdy's like, man, he's like, to think that even Tom Brady shook my hand or gave me a high five and said anything good about the way I played against him. He's like, are you kidding me? It's like living in a dream world. <laughs> it was really, really cute and, uh, and good for him. They got a good team. Yeah. And one thing that maybe we'll do a topic on later is a team that you don't want to face in the NFL right now if you're the Bengals. Like if we somehow made it to the Super Bowl, team that you don't want to face right now, Mine is San Francisco all yeah, the way. Yeah. I don't want to see San Francisco. I think I could handle facing the Eagles. I think we match up well against their defense. But the San Francisco, to me, is a nightmare scenario. Chat's popping off right now. Make sure everybody, if you haven't already, go down and subscribe. Like the video, too. If you are already subscribed, go down there. Like the video. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, Cam Taylor Britt talk in Ooh. the chat. That's how about one. how well did he play he yesterday? He played well, and I loved, I loved the, uh, and I'm not, I'm going to botch. Um, who, who did the color yesterday? Was that Adam Archuleta? I thought it was. I think so. I think so. Yeah, okay. I think and, so. And, and obviously, he was a heck of a player. I mean, man, I mean, really good player for a long time in the NFL. Um, safety. And, you know, he was talking about Cam Taylor Britt and watching uh, video of him in the games leading up to uh, the broadcast yesterday. And, I mean, he basically described him and everything you want to hear about a young player. Violent, hard hitter, uh, aggressive, passionate, all those things. And that's what they need. I mean, you know, look, they've overcome all the injuries in the secondary. So I was really worried for a little while yesterday about Hilton. When he was slow to get up and you're thinking, oh, man, not another one. But thank goodness he turned out to be okay. Um, yeah, he said after the game that he thought he was more hurt on the field than yeah, he was. Yeah. And they ended up being okay. Yeah, I mean, because that's another leader back there. Him and Von Bell. And and look, you know, Bates and, and, and now Cam Taylor Britt. And, you know, they just – Eli Apple. Um, those guys just continue to play so well. And the run defense was very good after being not so good against Kansas City. Kansas City ran the ball pretty well against him. But, man, Lou Anarumo, I mean, he just does it in different ways. I, I, that's the thing that, that, that I marvel at when you watch the Cincinnati Bengals defense. We've talked about the injuries a little bit. But, you know, one week 
you're having to play a certain style, rush three, drop eight, as they've had success against Patrick Mahomes uh, and Kansas City. The next week, you know, you're loading up the box a little bit, uh, thinking the Browns are going to try to run it. By the way, I don't know how you guys felt about this. I have been a big defender of Kevin Stefanski, and I know a lot of people aren't a big fan, Cleveland fans of Kevin Stefanski. He's one game over 500, I think, now in his career, his third year there in Cleveland. What That play, when they brought in, I think it was the first or second drive of the game. It was the, their first drive. Okay. And they bring in Jacoby Brissett, right? Yeah. What was that, a fourth and one? Yeah, fourth and one. And, I mean, I'm sitting there going – You've been waiting on Deshaun Watson, who you just gave a quarter of a billion dollars to be your quarterback. Right? Yeah. He just came back. It's his first series. He's driving the team down the field. And you get to fourth and one, and you jerk his tail to the sideline and bring in Jacoby Brissett? I mean, what is going on there? I can't They got Chubb. They got Hunt. They got Deshaun Watson who can run. You, and on four, and it should have been a touchdown. I mean, it was a right play call. There's no doubt about that. Brissett overthrew the guy. It should have been six. But it's what are these guys thinking about when they're doing this stuff? You know what's crazy is that the usually they talk about your first set of plays, your first drive being scripted. Are you telling me that they had that scripted in their game plan? That they were going to go for it on, if this happened on the first drive of their game? They were going to pull out Deshaun Watson and let let Jacoby Brissett throw a deep bomb? I, yeah. I don't know what the thought process is well, there. I, it's terrible. You know what the funny thing was? I was Like I said, I was watching this at a family party. I watched the whole game on mute. So I didn't notice that they had made the substitution. And I see they roll out. Jacoby throws the ball over, throws him. I'm like, I look at the guys I'm sitting there watching it with. I go, whoa, where'd that come from, yeah. Sean? And then he turns around. I see the Brissetchers. I go, what in the world was he doing in the game? Well, you know, that's where you can look like. Uh, I mean, really, if there, if there is um, uh, exhibit A of where a coach can look like the smartest guy in the world and the dumbest guy in the room, it's that play and that decision. Yeah, but the <laughs> – it's not even so. It's two folded though. Why even take out Deshaun? Just leave him in and run the same play. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I just don't. I, I I just sat there and I said thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. We got Zim Hude coming up in a matter of moments. Hear what he has to say. He's been going at it back and forth with all these uh, Cleveland fans all over Twitter. We got Brian Billick coming up after eleven. Thank all of you for being with us here today. We're back in a moment. Got the tracer tomorrow. He's um, trying to think. What did he say? He was going to fly out to Southern California for the second time after he just got back from there. Was going to fly back. Is he going to join us from the train tomorrow? Is that right? I hope so. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. But we got. A, I'm excited because we've got a new segment for him. We do. We do. We do. We do. Really? Yes. Yeah. Chatterbox. Give him a little teaser. Or you want to wait? No, well, we're going to wait because Chatterbox has been working really hard behind the scenes, coming up with different segment ideas for yes. you, the viewers, and for all of our guests. And this is one we're really excited about. So 
We'll, we'll talk more about it on Tuesday. Um, you'll see what we're talking about later on in the show, some just quality of life changes for the program. Very, very nice. And we thank all of you who are with us today in the chat. AJ, welcome back. Uh, Don, Andrew says the Buccaneers have good weapons. Evans, Godwin, Fournette. Uh, if you take them lightly, they can certainly beat you. That's true. Um, okay. Well, speaking of quality of life changes, your quality of life changed over the weekend, Got to tell you, boys, I said it a long time ago. Now, this was going into the weekend. Just yep. watch that bottom name there for a minute. Three games over 500. Boy, mm. has that changed. Our picks. <laughs> there we go. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. Only one of us took Monk and leader of men. The Army. The Army. All right. There's one and zero for Brenneman. We move on. The J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets to cover. They cover. They cover. A 10 Last is too big of a goal. number. Too big. 10 is way. If you've been following me, you know I hate those double-digit spreads. 10 is way too big. But, you know, they made that decision late in the game where, you know, it was a fourth down. They were down 20 to 9. So the Bills were covering. Yep. And the Jets decided to kick the field goal, yeah. which made it 20 to 12. And then yeah. – um, Something, something I really want to know uh, that we can maybe research is how the Bills have been doing against the spread. Because I feel like every week they get giant spreads, like 10 points, 14 points, and they never cover. I got you. Hold on. Yeah, well, They have covered a couple. I saw I, somebody wrote yesterday. Um, it was a guy, uh, Darren Ravel, a really well-known sports business columnist. I thought he said the Bengals are the best team against the spread in the NFL so far this year. By far. They're, they are 10-3 and three this year against the spread, and they're 18-3 and three overall in their last 21 games. How about that? I guess uh, L.A. has not figured us out quite yet, mm -hmm. or Las Vegas either. Yeah, well, I that, think L.A. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Well, I, I think uh, L.A. Is there. It's not a bad drive. L.A. figured us out in February. Not a bad drive. Uh, <laughs> the Bills are five, seven, and one against the spread this year. So there you go. Yep. All right. Uh, next one up. I took a shot here. Took a shot to gain some ground. You did, and I don't know how anybody – fellas, I, I was being serious when I said earlier, Paul, you lose that when the, the, the G-men, and they are in a free fall. I think all of us agreed they were, they were a mirage. Yeah, they were yeah. a um, – you know, they, they, they were beating really bad teams. But I have to tell you, um, the more I watch Philadelphia, and I know they're 12-1, it's the best record in the league, that is a monster team. It is. It is. And I mean, they can run it. They go for over 250 in the game yesterday. There have been games where Hertz is throwing 340 yards, almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. They got it going on, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it really hard to believe that people will not vote for Jalen Hurts, regardless of what the stats say. I mean, the dude just... He's unbelievable so far this year, and it's crazy how, how much he's developed. You, I mean, you go look at the playoff game they had last year and how bad that Eagles team was against Tampa Bay. It's night and day, this team. All right, next they up. They're really good. Have I lost a game yet, by the way? I no, don't, you have not. I don't think you have, Tom. I just want to double check. All right. <laughs> oh, wait. Did I lose? No. Oh, no. That's right. Chargers won. Yeah. yeah. 
man, this was this was tough watching too because Miami Tua stinked. Uh, boy, I'm telling you, he. Stunk. You know, I I read a, I read an interesting column about Miami this morning. Um, you know, outside of the Buffalo game, and you can make the argument in New England and the Jets, all that kind of stuff. That's fine, but you know, whenever they've played a decent team. Uh, outside of the one game against Buffalo very early in the year, they're beating a lot of bad teams. And now all of a sudden, they've gone two in a row against playoff caliber teams. The Chargers are right there on the edge. They've had to go out west back-to-back. They get run over by the 49ers. But right now, everybody's getting run over by the 49ers. And then they get beat by a team. They said last night on the telecast, I don't know if you guys heard this, we talked about injuries, Okay. And when they did the Chargers lineup, and I always love how NBC does the lineups where they get the guy to say his school or his hometown. I think it's really cool. Um, They said of the 11 guys that introduced themselves as starters on the San Diego or the L.A. Chargers defense last night, they said that nine of those guys were not starters when the year began. Wow. Because of injuries. They've got all these backups that are playing in the game. And, and they just shut Miami. Would Miami have 16 points in a game? 23 to 16? It was 23-17, I think. 17, okay. Well, we knew this was chalked when the uh, whole NBC crew picked the Dolphins before the game. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, and it was, uh, it was really interesting. I, was, I never really listened to the announcers, but for the first dri- couple drives, I was listening to Colin, and he's like, I can't believe this secondary. This is a whole new – Secondary, yep. we got rookies everywhere. They're covering Waddle. They're covering Tyreek Hill. And they got really lucky scoring their first touchdown, I believe. I mean, it was a Tyreek just picked up the fumble, right? I, I don't quite remember. Yes, exactly. He just squirted right out underneath the lineman down on the ground or something. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's how they got one of their uh, one of their touchdowns, one of their two touchdowns. Yeah. All right. I'm just checking something real quick, though, uh, about the playoffs here. The Chargers, with that win last night, they have the final uh, wild card spot right now because they own a tiebreak over the New York Jets based on win percentage in conference games. The Bengals are still the five seed. We'll put all this stuff up in a minute. Uh, If you can pull that up, Casey, we'll get to it in a minute. The Dolphins are slipping fast. They are no longer the leaders. Um... They were, they were in the lead of the division for a long time, and now they've lost two in a row. Buffalo, the division leaders in the top seat. All right, what's next? Well, I think you won this one too, Tom. What's that? This one. Oh, yeah, I, that looks like a win for you again. I, I, I don't know. I'm not really paying attention. I'm more concerned with, with these different teams. Have I lost yet? No, you have not lost. Uh, no, you haven't. Wow, pretty good week. Yeah. Okay, Casey? Men of aluminum yeah. denied again. Put too much faith in them. They stink. Still. You know, but here's a thing that worries me a little bit. Okay, let's stop for a second. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, I think the Bengals are going to beat the Ravens the last game of the season. Okay. I think they're going to beat them. Um, but obviously the Bengals have a very big game. Every game's big now here at the end of the year. I still think the Bengals to win the division, they're going to need Baltimore to lose another game to somebody. Yeah, because if it comes down to a tie break, um, you know, the, the games inside the division, um, 
Baltimore has three games left inside the division. They play every team. Uh, they play the Steelers again. They play the Browns this weekend. They play the Bengals the last game of the year. They're not going to lose all three of those games. And the best the Bengals can hope for is a 3-3 three and three divisional record. That would be to win out. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, well, they only have one division game left. They're 2-3. and three. But uh, Baltimore has not lost a division game. So, they're going to need the Ravens to lose another game if they want to win this division. Uh, go ahead. Um, all right. Well, this one, I mean, it looks like a win, too. I think. Pause. Good pick. That was a good pick. Great. Francisco. It was a great pick, honestly. I thought I was really confident in that one. Best quarterback of all time. I can't bet against Tom Brady. Is Whoops. it just me or does he seem he, – he seems gun-shy to me. Off. I mean, with that offensive line, I would be too. Yeah, I mean, he really looks gun-shy to me. And uh, this is hard to watch. We'll talk with Brian Billick about it. And, look, nobody's going to be out there feeling sorry for Tom Brady. I mean, but you just don't like to see guys going out the way that he's going out. I mean, it is brutal to watch them. If the Bengals don't beat them like the 40 – I don't care where the game's played. It could be played here in Hamilton across the street. Um, the Bengals should demolish this team. I won't say that. They're, they're, they're not very good, Casey. I know, but... I mean, they're sick. They're, they're, they're the first team... I, I can't remember how many years it's been. They're the first team in a long time to be under 500 and leading a division 15 weeks into the season. And they're barely hanging on. The, you imagine if they don't win that game last Monday night? Oh, God. Right? Yeah. That yeah. was a miracle in and of itself. That they lost, that they there'd won a, that game. There'd be a, what, a three-way tie for first place? Yeah, I mean, and now you've got, you know, Atlanta uh, has, has hope. Carolina goes out and beats Seattle yesterday. Yep. That's good for them. And all of a sudden, they're one game back of being in the playoffs. And Des Ritter, former UC star, starts for Atlanta this week. I wonder, we should all make a, a, a serious, take a serious look into the playoff odds for all three of those teams and maybe put down, sprinkle in some money on some of those teams. On the teams? Yeah, the why not? I mean, Atlanta has a serious chance and so does Panthers. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I really well, don't think the Bucks win next week, so they're going to be what, six and eight? Well, I'm not going to, I'm the one that's been sitting up here for four weeks saying that I'm not going to discount Tom Brady, but. Be tough if the Bengals lose to this team next week. Yeah, be tough, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I'm looking right now at the uh, the odds to make the playoffs for the NFC South, and who did you say the Falcons? The Falcons and the Panthers are both at five and eight, and Tampa's at six and yeah, seven. one game back. Falcons to make the playoffs plus nine hundred. <laughs> Panthers to make the playoffs plus three fifty. Bucks to make the playoffs. Minus 300, so still very much the odds. Well, that's all favor. Tom Brady. Yeah. That's all Tom Brady. I mean, in Atlanta, you got a rookie quarterback uh, making his first start in Des Ritter this coming week. They were off this week. Uh, and in Carolina, you got Sam Darnold. He played well yesterday, but, I mean, the guy's a stiff. All right. All right, um, one, one more NFL one game. One more NFL game. Ben Galley's across the board, all winners. And then we had the Crosstown shootout. You know what? I don't want it overlooked that Casey and I sang the song and the Bengals still won. They did. Mm -hmm. I don't want that overlooked. Maybe you guys can sing again on Friday. All right. <laughs> Next one. 
Now, if you were watching the show on Friday, we had it at four and a half. The line actually came out at two and a half. We all picked the same thing, and uh, Xavier covered. So, and because of that, Tom, let me let me see. That's one, two. So I went into the week. Correct me if I'm wrong. At seventy-four and seventy-one. Yep. And what does it look like now? Um. Oh my! Oh my, boys! I think that's an undefeated week, Tom. Eight and no. Maybe I should start doing videos on TikTok and making some money. Oh yeah. I I'll mean, tell you what, boys, we got a we got a. Uh, wait a minute. Go back to that a second. All right. How is it that there's a five-game spread in the win column and there's a three-game spread in a loss? Does that all add up? Huh? It should. No, because 82 and 71, I don't do math in public. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. But that's 153 games. You and Casey have far more than 153. Can somebody explain that to me? Casey. Is this like the Arizona voting deal? Oh, boy. Casey, Where the machines all of a sudden, the day of the election and the day after, the voting machines don't work? What happened, Casey? Uh, I mean, the, the numbers were right last week, right? I'm just looking at it right now, and those look fine, right? I mean, I mean I, what is going This is election integrity stuff. I don't know. We well, get enough of that every day in the I'm news, and now hold all on. of a sudden, come hold on. on. Hold on a second. I'm about to do the math on this real quick because I've been, I've been the one keeping track all season. The worst mathematician in this room, perhaps in this fair city of Hamilton, is sitting in this chair Maybe. right here right now. And I was the one that had to catch uh, oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. No, you caught it. Yeah, I went four and four, right? Yes. I took two more. I, you you put me at sixty eight. So oh my be, god, this is unbelievable. Hold on, hold this on. This is unbelievable. We're gonna, we're gonna hold on, hold on. All right, there's where's Stacy Abrams when you need him? <laughs> and I went three. Yeah, so I just did I just did the math wrong on the loss column. You like that, didn't you, Brandon? Yeah. Well, you you had five wins. Yeah. I had five wins, so three losses. Okay, so Everett liked it. Yeah, sixty so, six. Yeah, we're. We're still tied. We're still just, tied. You just did I it. gave us two extra losses. Tom. No, we don't need that. All right. My bad. So, so now here we go. So what does so it look this like, is right. please? This is what Carrie it is. Lake on line two. This, <laughs> this is right. Oh, so I just went from a three-game deficit now to a five-game deficit. Yes. <laughs> I should have probably not caught that. <laughs> no, you probably shouldn't have. That's okay, though. Okay, I mean, but we're right back in the hunt, an 8-0 week. That's the first undefeated week by anybody. Am yeah. I right or wrong? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it and is. I should get double the points. For that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. I mean, you said you didn't want eight to do knows, that stuff. Eight knows. You didn't want to do any of the double double dipping or double or nothing I am, this week. I am glad that we all picked Xavier so we didn't have any kind of a – because we did agree that that pick was going to get thrown out if the line moved too crazy. What? I mean, it was two and a half, so. I, I, I felt bad not picking UC in that game. I, I, I thought just with a rivalry being at home and, 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 you know, the whole deal. By the way, shifting gears to that for a second. I, I want to ask you, Casey, you were there. Yep. I mean, uh, uh, Paul, you were there. Did you? Um, oh, you know, there have been a lot of, uh, you weren't there, I, were you, Casey? No, I was not you there. You sure? I, you want to change your He was mind? at the Bengals I, game. I thought you said Paul, and I just was agreeing with Casey. you. Like, yep, Paul was there. But, but it's Paul. It's Paul. Um, 
You know, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, and, and when it got to be a big spread, it's 13 to 1, I think, out of the gate. Right? Yeah. They led by 17 at halftime. So I, I, I'm the first guy to say, you know, I, I, I'm done. I went and started working out, and then all of a sudden, um, it's a, it's a, you know, whatever it was, three point game late, and then the Julius four point game hits a three, free yeah. throw to tie. Um, I heard a lot of people yelling and screaming on uh, Twitter about the officiating. Was it? Was there anything about the officiating one way? I normally don't like getting into that, but was that a big deal? I, I don't think necessarily that the foul situation was terrible. There was a situation at the end of the game where Cincinnati was out of timeouts. And this was a bigger point that I thought not enough people were talking about. This was really interesting. There was a media timeout with 342 left in the game. There were 16 minutes of gameplay, or 16 seconds rather, David DeJulius hit a shot. Wes Miller then called his final timeout with 326 left in the game. So you're going into the final 326 of the Crosstown shootout without a timeout. Right. Okay. Xavier and Cincinnati come down the court. DeJulius hits the shot with about 10 seconds left in the game. Mm -hmm. And and one three. They were down four. He makes the free throw. He ties the game. Xavier comes down the other side of the court with the ball and 10 seconds left. Sule Boom has it. They set a high screen, locking gets blown by Sule Boom gets right to the rim, draws Lockins fifth foul. And then with 1.2 seconds left, Boom goes to the free throw line, makes the first free throw. And you can see Wes Miller down along the sideline talking to the official. Yep. What he was, what we found out later asking about was if I call a timeout here without a timeout remaining, do I get the ball back after the technical free throws? Official obviously said yes. And so everybody in the stands is thinking, oh, my goodness, do we have a, a michigan Juwan Howard situation, you know, calling a timeout without mm -hmm. any timeouts remaining. But then you realize, no, maybe it was a smart decision that he calls a timeout after Sule Boom misses. But the official told him before the free throw, if you're going to do it, you got to tell me right now. Yes. Right. And he clarified and he said, okay, I'm going to take the timeout. So, boom, misses the second free throw on purpose, which you could tell it, that was on purpose because right. otherwise it just clanks off the rim. You're going to turn around, throw a full-court shot, and the game's over. They call a timeout. Cincinnati does. Technical foul. Sule Boom goes, hits the two free throws to put Xavier up three. But Cincinnati, because of the timeout, gets to go back, bring the huddle over, draw up a full-court pass type of play to set something up to tie the game to send the game to overtime the inbound pass ended up being deflected by Jack Nungy and it, it didn't end yeah. up mattering in the end anyway that's tough so you know I I I look at it and I say to myself the bigger the, there were a whole laundry list of reasons why Cincinnati lost that game and pretty far toward the bottom of which are a technical timeout at the very end of the game but my bigger question and I haven't gotten a chance to go back and rewatch the situation is why he called his final timeout with 326 yeah. left in the game I this this whole situation at the end of the game like is kind of water under I, the bridge. I, I thought I thought the end of the game thing was a brilliant move it I did not know and and you know look I I mean I, I follow a lot of basketball but I thought after every technical foul the team that shot the free throws gets a ball back. Which is why all of us were very confused why he was doing it. Because I, if I had known immediately that they were going to get the ball back, then it would have been pretty obvious. But as we were all sitting there trying to figure out why in the world are they calling a timeout? Because it seemed obvious like he knew what he was doing. But 
if you're not going to get the ball back with a second left, then what's the point in the first place? But anyway, it ended up uh, it, it ended up not really mattering in the end because they didn't even complete the inbound pass. So USA veteran boy says, "Look at the Army." <laughs> yeah, look at the we Army. We salute him every day, and we always salute our good buddy Brian Billick, Super Bowl winning head coach. Um. He joins us as always. Coach, lots and lots and lots to think about and talk about. Let's start your old team, the Baltimore Ravens. I tell you what, man, it doesn't matter what happens. They just they, they find a way to keep winning games, Coach. It may not be pretty. It may not be winning by double digits. But, man, they just find ways to win. Well, when, when, when you run the ball for 215 yards against the Steelers and, and the Steelers knowing that what with, with Tyler Huntley in, they probably were not going to throw the ball as much. They only threw the ball 12 times. Um, that, that was impressive. And it's like, okay, we're going to run regardless whether you know we're going to run. And, and they just kept doing it. And it was typical Steeler-Ravens game was going to come down to a single score. That seems to be the, the trend for forever in that series. Uh, and Tyler Huntley, I would tell you, even though he only threw it 12 times, he's capable of doing more. I, I like what I see in Tyler Huntley. I know he didn't win last year, but that wasn't necessarily just because of Tyler Huntley. So for uh, however long Lamar is out going forward, I think they're in pretty good hands with Tyler Huntley, Tyler Huntley particularly if they're going to continue to run the ball the way they are. Yeah, and it was great to get J.K. Dobbins back. I mean, look, I don't care yeah. if you know, you're know you a big Bengals fan and you root against the Ravens to lose every game. Dobbins seems to be a great kid. Uh, tore up his knee six weeks out, comes back, plays really well. But, Coach, when you're sitting there and you, you know, you're kind of waiting around in this day and age, I mean, it's tricky business. Mike Tomlin even acknowledged it after the game in regard to Kenny Pickett yesterday about this whole concussion thing and protocol, and they're making changes as we kind of go along during the season. Uh, if you're the head coach and you're John Harbaugh right now, you, you know more than likely you're not going to have Lamar Jackson this coming week. At least you don't think so. They could surprise us, and he comes back. Uh, but Huntley goes out with a concussion. And then you got this Anthony Brown guy who was just activated off the practice squad, an undrafted quarterback out of Oregon. Um, what's game planning like this week if you're the head coach of the Ravens? Well, you know, they're going to play the, the – uh... I think they play the Browns this week, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And and the challenge, you know, if they've got to, you know, Greg Rumlin's got to look and say, well, can I duplicate what we just did? Can I throw the ball just, you know, less than 20 times and and run the ball 40-plus times, chew up the clock in the way we do? Um, then, yeah, that, that's going to be the game plan. Now, the problem becomes, and the Browns are capable, particularly with Deshaun Watson continuing to mature a little bit within what they're doing and open it up a little bit. If they turn it into a quasi-track meet, then then you got a problem, and you got it. you'll have the game plan ready for it. But I don't know that I want to be throwing the ball 35 times with Anthony Brown coming off the bench. Um, injuries are becoming a major factor for many, many teams around the NFL. And you start right here in Cincinnati where um, they put T. Higgins on the injury report with a hamstring. Last couple of days of last week kind of showed up out of nowhere. He plays one play in the game. Tyler Boyd injures his finger the second play of the game, does not return. Uh, Trey Hendrickson breaks his wrist. He stayed in the game, but he's going to be out 
for quite a while. Let me start on the offensive side. The Bengals were able to get through it all. Their depth, I think, has been one of the biggest stories in the NFL this season, that no matter who goes down, they find a way uh, to, to pick up the pieces and get things done. Uh, Hayden Hurst did not play this week. Um, where's that fine line, Brian? Let, let's just say, and I'm not going to ask you to, to diagnose Tyler Boyd, but where is that fine line as a coach where you're saying, okay, you know, if a guy's out with a knee injury or something like that, obviously he's not going to play. Where's that fine line of saying, hey, man, we got four weeks to go. We, we, we got to win this division and get in the playoffs as opposed to maybe missing a game here or there. Particularly when you're talking about hamstrings, that is one where that, that's always the question I would have for the doctors when you had a player with an injury and you question them, is he going to play this week or not? The question becomes, one, can he injure it substantially more by playing than if he doesn't play? What's the difference in the, in the prognosis for the injury if we lay him out a week or two weeks compared to playing it? And if the doctors say, well, he can be significantly better in two weeks, well, then you got to think about laying him out. If, if they're saying, well, it's a hit and miss and it, it's it's iffy, it's 50-50, well, then, then you're thinking, okay, if I'm going to flip a coin, then let's go ahead and play him. So that's always the question that you have. Uh, and, and you're right about the injuries. Everybody has them going down the stretch in this dash for the cash we used to call it in December and getting to the, to the playoffs. Um, injuries are going to be a factor for everybody in the league. Uh, it was how great was it to get Joe Mixon back, you know, and him come back. And now you've got the combination of, of Mixon and, and Pirine. Uh, that's pretty good. And as long as you have Jamar Chase, you know, if you can get Hurst back a little bit, they're, they're going to be okay, you know. And in that, that last game against the Ravens now, now I know they've got to play the Bills as well, and that's going to be the, the biggest challenge. The Ravens have a pretty – pliable schedule there they do have to pay play Pittsburgh again but it's in Baltimore but that last game with the Ravens versus Cincinnati that's uh, that's going to be a whole lot on the line for that game no doubt about it could be for the number one seed if the Bengals were to beat Buffalo that week before the Ravens come into town and both teams you know quote unquote went out up until that game that's all the marbles that's that's not only the division could be the number one seed for the Bengals it would be the number one seed because they will have beaten if that's the case both Buffalo uh, and Kansas City. Tom Brady, uh, and we've talked a little bit about him. Uh, I don't know how much, Brian, you watched that game yesterday. Uh, they, they've had all kinds of injuries, devastating injuries along that offensive line. Uh, th th this guy's just getting pounded back there. And, you know, it, the Bengals playing this week, and you never count out Tom Brady. But, but, but Brian, it's, it, it's just hard to watch. Well, we always and 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 it, and you're right. It, it has less to do with Tom Brady. You know, we've everybody for years now have been saying, okay, when's it going to end for Tom Brady? And no one wants to. You know, I'm not going to be the one to say no. He's done. But we also knew that when the decline started, it would be precipitous. That it would be quick, even though he's in great shape and the things that he does. But this is what's going on around Tom Brady, like you said, with the offensive line. And it, certainly at this point in his career. Um, that's, you know, he's not going to be able to do some of the things that maybe he did when he was younger to escape and avoid that. So it's it's not good. They're, they're just not a very good football team right now. Now, you can't underestimate them. And and obviously, it is still Tom Brady. Uh, and But you have to give San Francisco credit, too, now. They, they, they've, you know, that defense, their ability to run the ball, they ran for the ball for over 200 times. They kept just what we talked about with Brock Purdy, you know, the wonderkin now that Mr. Irrelevant coming in. He only had to throw it 21 times. 
They threw it, they ran it 36 times. So that formula that San Francisco loves to have, everybody does if you can do it, but run the ball, keep the pitch count down, play really good defense, get the turnovers like they did against Tom Brady, which is rare. Um, that's a pretty good formula for them. So, say, you know, a lot of it had to do with the fact that San Francisco is pretty darn good. You know, uh, Brian, the uh, last thing I want to ask you about is, uh, you know, one of the great stories right now in the NFL is Detroit. Uh, th- th- yeah. This team just looked terrible per usual. You hate to say it. Um, early in the year, and now all of a sudden, uh, they've won, what, six of their last seven, I think it is, five of their last six, something like that. They're a game and a half out of the playoffs. This team is playing like a team that looks like a playoff team. I mean, they just hammered Minnesota yesterday. That wasn't even a game. You, you got to give Dan Campbell and, and Detroit credit because you're right. They are kind of like the black hole. Things just go in there and you never see them again. Um, I did a show last year, a week in Minnesota, um, and it was stunning that Detroit was favored in that game. It was only two, but they were favored because of – there's something about the history and at that stage and when the records, they went through the whole thing with me. And I thought, boy, Detroit favored over Minnesota, the way Minnesota's playing. Are you kidding me? At 10 and 2. Uh, but you're right. And, and and it obviously held up. And you're right. It's good to see, too. Detroit, you know, you'd love to, regardless of who your allegiances are with, you'd love to see Detroit finally kind of scroll, you know, scratch out and be fairly relevant. They are. They're just on the cusp of it. And Minnesota's okay, but but we also saw, you know, other than Philadelphia, who continues to roll, yep. Dallas was in a, in a close game with Houston. That could have either gone the other way, too, which was a real shocker. So outside of Philadelphia, the top teams in the NFC, Minnesota and, and Dallas, along with them, show some signs of, well, okay, yeah, maybe on any given day they are vulnerable. Yeah, and the last team, Brian, I want to ask you about, speaking of looking vulnerable because they look good for so long, uh, is Miami. Uh, now all of a sudden, you know, they've played a couple of teams, one very much in playoff contention. They get hammered by the 49ers two weeks ago. They go out to play the Chargers, who have injuries all over the place. I mean, that might be the single most injured team in the NFL this year, especially on defense. Um, Miami looks terrible, just terrible. Well, and, and part of it, and not to make excuse for it, because we talk all the time about uh, West Coast going to East Coast, East Coast going to West Coast. <clears throat> Miami, you're right. They're in a run here now that that they're three games on the road. They were at San Francisco. They stayed out there, which is always hard to do, uh, even though it's, it, the weather's nice or whatever. So they go down and play the, uh, the, the Chargers. Now they come home. They got to go up to Buffalo. So they've had three road games, two West Coast runs. Now come home, they got to go up to Buffalo. Um, yeah, and 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 we see that Miami is a good, solid team. The record and who they were against is certainly a factor. And now that they got into a litany of some pretty good teams, we're finding out what they really are. They're certainly capable. They're a playoff capable team, uh, but I don't know. I don't know that I'd put them at any point in the upper echelon of the, of the AFC. And we're certainly going to find out their ability. This would be a real statement game for them. You know, uh, Tua was 10 of 28. You know, we, we everybody's still talking about, is this a guy or not? I don't mm-hmm. know that we And certainly to go on the road to Buffalo against Josh Allen and get a win would certainly help, you know, quail a little bit of those discussions about, is this a guy or not? Yeah. All right, Brian, uh, I know they're getting all fired up there in Columbus, Ohio. A couple of weeks away from the big one, taking on number one, Georgia. 
I want you to start gathering all your information, looking at all the film, and in about the next uh, week or so, we're going to have you give us your picks of that college final four. And, uh, see, they're, they're already calling me wanting those picks, too. It's, <laughs> it's a piece of cake. They got Georgia easily, easily. I can't imagine Ohio State not being favored by two, three touchdowns in that game. Hey, did you watch, by the way, before I let you go, because I talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. Did you did you see or hear any of the Caleb Williams uh, Heisman Trophy speech? I did not. I did not. I got to tell you, I, I, I would encourage you, and I, and I said it, to our audience a little bit earlier. That kid's story uh, is just unbelievable, starting with his father. And man, if there, they, if there is any illustration about the importance of a father uh, in a son's life, and, and moms with daughters and moms and sons and dads and daughters, I mean, but having this kid's dad around and starting when he was in eighth grade, he told his dad, he says, Dad, I love football. And this was after being told by the coach in football that he was too small and he wasn't going to be yeah. a quarterback. And he's in the car with his dad, and he says, Dad, I love the smell of football. I love the language of football. I love everything about football. And his dad looks at him and says, okay, it's one thing to talk about it. Let's see if you're ready for a plan. They come up with this plan, and for the next five years, this kid gets up with his dad at 5 o'clock in the morning works out before school, goes to school, comes home after school, works out at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and on Saturday he's a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. Great, great stories. And it, again, underlines the role that athletics can have, even if, even if it had not turned out for him and he had not become a, a good football player. Boy, the lessons learned. I just was at my grandson's uh, basketball game last night. And... They come down, they're down by three, kid kicks out, he's at the three-point line, sinks it to put into overtime, they go into overtime, comes back, gets the last shot, sinks it for two, and they win the game. You don't you don't get lessons like that anyplace else. And for these young people and for this kid as well, I hope it's a reminder for all of us just how important that that athletics can be. I know it can get overblown and people can get become negative with it, but how important athletics can be in these young people's lives. And it's so, so great that it's still available to them. No doubt about it. All right. Brian, thanks for your time, my friend. Keep coaching them up right. down there. All right, we'll do it. All right, buddy. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us and, uh, and break it all down. Uh, I, I'm being really serious. I know it's the third time now I've said it. I, I, I highly encourage you to, to watch... That Williams kid, he hit everything you want to hit. Uh, USC brought his entire offensive line, brought them all out. They didn't know he was going to win the award. I mean, you thought he was going to win the award, but they brought them all out. Uh, I'm not a big USC guy in any form or fashion. It's the eighth Trojan to win the Heisman Trophy. That's pretty serious. Eight of them. And one they took away, so it doesn't count. Reggie Bush. He was the best of all those guys. What are the chances that gets reinstated? How do we do that? What's that? Get that reinstated. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, enough is enough. Good Lord. I've never understood the taking things away punishment. Like Louisville's 2013 right. National Championship. They still won it. That's right. What are we doing? That's right. I don't. Well, can, know, does anybody know why that's a thing? 
Like they still doesn't Rick Pitino have a tattoo of the 2013 national championship? I mean, that's. I mean, what what would you do about the Astros? Well, that you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, like. But that that is. But they cheated to win the title. Well, so did so did SC. No, they didn't. With Reggie Bush, are you kidding they, me? They paid him. What? That's cheating. But that's not on the field. Okay, all right. I see what you're saying. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. okay, I I see. I see what. Yeah, but like the Astros, what the Astros tri- did directly impacted whether they won or lost games. There's no question. And by the way, I uh, thank you, uh, M. Foster. So if you include Reggie Bush, that would be eight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it would be eight. I, I want to get back to Dwayne for a minute. Dwayne, look, I hope you're not upset with me. <laughs> okay? You haven't chimed in since, uh, you know, you let me have it a little bit earlier. Nobody's being pessimistic here. We're just talking about injuries that teams are dealing with. I didn't get a chance to get into it about the Debo Samuel thing. Yeah, that's tough. And the 49ers are still the team I don't want to face, even if he's gone long-term. Well, the only two teams uh, with a five-game winning streak right now are the 49ers and your Cincinnati Bengals. Eagles? Eagles, maybe? Not five in a row, I don't think. Not five? Maybe four? I don't remember when they lost. Trying to see here real quick. Philadelphia. It's hard to believe they haven't won five in a row, right? No, they've won four in a row. They lost to the uh, Washington football Wizards. (laughs) And they have since beaten the Colts, the Packers, the Titans, and the G-Men. They have left on their schedule at the Bears, at the Cowboys, the Saints, and the G-Men again. Well, let's... Last game of the year. They, 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 uh, Max will lose two. And if I were a betting man, they're going to win all those games, including at Dallas. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say it, we should wait until they play Dallas to really like, crown them the NFC for sure Super Bowl favorite because I they didn't play a very good schedule this year from Philly. what I can, Yeah, Philly. I think some of their like. No, I'm with you. They, they. I mean, in fact, you're you're right. You're spot on. I mean, they've beaten the Lions the first game. They beat the Vikings. Destroyed them. Commanders, eh. Jaguars, mm, beat them. Cardinals, mm. Cowboys, beat them. Okay, Steelers, eh. Texans, eh. yeah, beating the Colts. Yeah, Titans aren't playing well. Packers are, are bad. I mean, you, that's a legitimate point. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say the only team I found that had legitimate like legitimacy was the Cowboys, and even that is kind of with Dak Prescott at quarterback. So I mean. We'll, we'll see. Let's see how they do against Cowboys again. Yeah, that'll be a big game. Uh, no, I, I just want to say real quick, since we have a massive uh, audience here, this is one of the biggest shows we've done, I just want to make sure we say again that go ahead, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and if you want to listen to this in podcast form, you can just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. It's on every podcast network you could want. So go back and, and subscribe and listen there. Just in case you missed that at the beginning of the show, you can subscribe, share it around. Thanks to everybody for watching today. Yeah, yeah thank and you. Phil S. jumps in. Uh, the only way you can stop batted balls and doggone it, I forgot to ask Brian Billick, it says it's to chop block one time, the guy who's jumping up in the ball, and uh, he'll stop trying to do that. Yeah, I, my uh, best man, Thomas, he, he was an offensive lineman, offensive lineman coach, played at, at Tiffin University, a D2 school, um, 
almost had an opportunity to 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 really um go forward with it long term um he just loses his mind every time that joe burrow gets a ball swatted because he's like our guys are just not punching those guys in the gut they they, they need to just lay them out don't let them jump up like that yep and joe burrow too needs to learn how to pump fake i, I think i'm officially on board i i was trying to combat that a few weeks ago my father-in-law and my future brother-in-law were just on me about it like joe burrow needs to learn how to pump fake i'm like oh come on guys he's only got like 10 swatted balls i know it leads the league or whatnot but now 25 we're at 25 already yeah but you know a lot of those times you know you you talk about pump fake and that's an extra i'm not saying you're wrong i don't know okay i'm not going to sit here and try to to to, to claim anything about it because i know nothing about it Uh, i was never a quarterback i can only dream about being a quarterback but you know a lot of those times your receiver's only open for a split second. Yeah. And you pump fake one time, and now it's too late. And that leads to a pick. Of course, the batted balls haven't led to picks yet. Paul pointed out earlier, how long does that last? Other times, maybe you're setting up the screen, right? And okay, the same thing. You got two blockers out in front of the guy. If you pump fake one time, now you can get an illegal man downfield. You can all of a sudden try to dump it off, and the guys fight through the blocks. Um you know, look, I, it's, um, it's something I'm sure that they're talking about uh, down at Paycor today. They, they'll go down there and just kind of get some of the cobwebs out and the bumps and bruises uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is simply this. Through everything there is, if the Bengals went out, th- this is all that, that – that, you know, and look, it's not going to be easy. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're going down to Tampa Bay. They're playing a team in New England that's fighting to try to get in the playoffs, okay? It's at New England. Um, And and granted, their offense at times has looked terrible, but they've had some games where their defense, I mean, their offense looked very good. The only team they lay an egg against, and I mean totally lay an egg against, is Buffalo. Buffalo is one, they just got their number. But everybody else, it's kind of one, you know, one or the other when they play them on offense. Um, You got Buffalo here. That's a big deal. Yep. And the Ravens here. If the Bengals win out, they are the number one seed in the AFC going into the playoffs. You get the, they're the only team that would get a bye in the opening round. I, uh, I actually don't think that's the case. If, if you look at the, the Chiefs schedule, I don't think they're going to lose another game. And we, don't, we wouldn't be oh, able you, to. Oh, you know what? You're right about that. You're right. I forgot. The Chiefs only have three losses, so I beg your pardon on that. Okay. But still, I mean. The, no, you're spot on. But the point still stands that we would move up to at least two. Like We would still be up there in seeding if we went out. Um, I got to tell you, though, uh, Casey, you know, the more I look at this thing. Yeah. If you're not going to be the number one seed, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not so sure that them being the five seed, the way things are going in that AFC South, is not, is not so bad. Right. I hate to – I mean, you know, now number two seed, you're going to have to play the first round, okay, and you would get the second game theoretically at home. So that's a big deal. Whereas you go in the five seed, uh, you know, you, you beat Tennessee, right? Yep. And you have to play them in Tennessee because they're a divisional champ. Then you'd have to go on the road and play Buffalo, depending on how the other games played out. But if they all played out according to seed, 
the two and three seed would play, right? And the one and five, in this case, seed would play in Buffalo. Which would you rather do? You'd rather be a two seed because you get a home game. Yeah, I mean, I would want as many home games as possible just for that home crowd advantage. But if you looked at the uh, the playoff picture, which I do have here. Well, let's pull it, up. Pull so it he, up. So here's the deal. We got it, we got it, it here. So here's the way it would work, okay? And if you can blow it up a little bit, this is the way it would look, okay? The Bengals, we said, would have to play as a five seed. They'd have to play at Tennessee. Now, if the Ravens as a three and the Chiefs as a two both win, the two and three would play in Kansas City. Okay, now if you get, a, if you get an upset somewhere in there, it changes everything. But let's just say it plays out this way. So as a two seed, Kansas City would get a home game. But they're going to play that Chargers team in the first round. Would you rather play the Titans or the Chargers right now? I'd Would you rather the play the Titans or the Dolphins right now? Titans. Okay, so, you know, that, that, that's all I'm saying. Then you look on the other side, and, man, does that have a chance to change here? Uh, I mean, dramatically change. Philadelphia's already clinched a playoff spot. Dallas for sure is going to be in, and Minnesota's going to be in. The Niners are going to be in. But those other three teams that are in there right now, the Giants, the Washington Football Wizards, and Tampa Bay, all three, two, one, none could be in by the time we get to the end of the season. How about the Cowboys putting up a 10-3 and three record this year and having a great season, but, oh, whoops, the Eagles are 12-1. and one. <laughs> Tough scene. I'm sure that, that just boils their blood. Oh, man, Jerry Jones, he's got to be pissed. <laughs> Finally put a good product out on the field. We got you know, uh, Boys Jerry, Jerry's fine. Kansas City schedule. <laughs> oh boy, you're right, Casey. This it's is a cakewalk. How does a first place team have uh, from last year have this schedule? I know it's it's terrible. I mean, you know, come on. Now you you play in your division. Your division is what it is. You know, apologize for it, even if the division stinks. They got the Texans this week. Yeah, they play the AFC South. Yeah, and then they play the Seahawks. That's not a layup, but it's you know it's at home. They have the Broncos again. They, although, you know, I got to say, you know, Mahomes lately has, even though they're, they are what they are, he has made some critical turnovers here of late. Um, he got away with it yesterday. It's a conversation we can have. And the Raiders, the Raiders. They play the Raiders the last game of the year. Casey, who are they playing? The Raiders. No, that was weak. Boy, last week was good. That was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> brutal. So, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's more than conceivable that the Chiefs would end up with a number one seed because if they went out, they'll have the best record. Uh, the Bengals could slot somewhere uh, depending on how it goes. Yeah. Tom, what is the uh, Zim Hude status? Zim Hude, 1130. Okay. Let's go. Coming up in a couple minutes. Zim Hude, he's ready to go. I, the one thing that I don't think this is—is is this correct? Jacksonville's five and eight. I thought they were more than that. But anyways, no, well, that's one, what they are. The one—the one team that I'm super excited for is Detroit. And I know you kind of teased it a little bit how they were playing a little bit better, but it's conceivable. And same with Jacksonville too. They actually just beat Tennessee, didn't they? Didn't they? Yeah. They just beat Tennessee. We uh, on the other show. Tennessee's fading fast. I don't know yeah. what the hell's going on down there, but they—they they are just—they can't run the ball. 
No. Derrick Henry. I, I kind of – I don't want to say I predicted this because I didn't say it on the show, but if you talk to some of my family, some of my close friends, I told them that this is not sustainable with Derrick Henry, what they're doing, especially when they lost some guys on the offensive line. And Derrick Henry is just getting older. Like, I think that's a factor. He's getting more injuries. He can't do this for a sustained period of time. No one can. Even if they are a guy like Derrick Henry who's just a physical specimen, um, I, I didn't want to say I knew this would happen, but it felt like it was inevitable that they would start to not be able to rely on the run game as much. And when they need to rely on Ryan Tannehill, he's not turned it over, but he's not scored a lot. And their receivers are what they are. I mean, I like Trey Burks, but... The, the team is struggling a bit. Yeah, they, 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 they need to find a better offensive identity. But what I was going to say was we on the other show on, uh, on Box Lunch, we, we picked two teams that we thought could make a sneaky playoff run. We chose the Lions, which they're right there. They're right in the mix. They, if they win out, they have a very serious chance of making it in. And the Jaguars. And the funny thing about the Jaguars They're not is, getting in. Listen, hang on. Listen to this scenario, Tom. Because they can get in if, if Tennessee loses one more time to either Dallas or Texas, the Texans, which it would be probably against Dallas, right? That's feasible. And if the Jaguars win out, which involves beating the Titans again. Ain't happening. You don't think that's going to happen? No, I don't. This, after I think whenever the Jaguars get into a game where they got to win a game, and look, that's been infrequent for a long time. They're not going to do it. But I, hey, look, who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. You bring up a good point. I mean, it, it's it's not completely like... That's Seho's guy. Trevor Lawrence. T-Law. T-Law. But, I mean, it, it's not like it's the, they're in their own... Uh, they control their own destiny, that sort of scenario. They have to have some things fall their way like Tennessee losing another game. But I think it's feasible with the way Tennessee's been playing and the way they beat Tennessee this week. I mean, it wasn't like they barely snuck out with a win. You're right. They, they beat Tennessee. You're right. So, what was that quarterback they call him with the long hair from the movie? Oh, Sunshine? Uh, yeah, Sunshine or – Yeah. What was that? Paul, you got to be kidding. You don't know the movie? Remember the Titans? Yeah, movie? are you kidding? Oh, my God, yeah. One of the great well, movies of all time. I mean, I Sunshine! Know. Long hair. Looking good. T. Lawrence. <laughs> no. Not quite yet. Although, oh. you know, I have to tell you, collegiately, he was a leader of young men. Young men. Because he, um, uh, Sir Boy Wonder keeps coming back. I was a guy talking up the Titans early. I was. I didn't think all of Casey was the, uh, the brilliant one in this operation. I thought they'd continue to be able to run it. Zachary says Detroit is legit. They are. They are legit. And that what's so crazy is no one saw their offense coming. But you can ask Trace and I. We both kind of saw it coming that they would have some sort of passing attack and they have a good running back duo back there with, with Williams and yep. Swift, um, change of pace types of guys. And what's funny is they're doing this without who we thought would be the main focal point of their offense with TJ Hawkinson. They shipped him and – they haven't missed a beat, which is crazy. It's um, it's honestly uh, kudos to the Lions for how they've been performing, how they've been playing, and they're really set up long term for success. Didn't they have that trade with 
the Saints last year in the draft? They did. They got to make a decision on the quarterback. And, and I have to say, I have not been a big uh, golf guy um, all the years he was there with the Rams. And, you know, I, I, I was just never a big fan. But you cannot deny that this guy is playing great football. I mentioned earlier he's not thrown an interception in the last five games. He throws for 330 yards yesterday and three touchdowns. Now, their schedule, okay, uh, bad news for them is three of the last four on the road. That's tough. That's tough. Um, for the Detroit Lions, the fighting Chris Spielmans, as we call them. Uh, they have to go to the Jets. Jets aren't great, but, you know. That's that's feasible. Uh, it's feasible. They go to the Panthers, another team in the hunt. That's feasible. They play the Bears at home, and then they go to Lambeau Field. All those. In Green me. Bay, Wisconsin, the Frozen Tundra. All those are possible wins. To yeah, me. but, I mean, they're facing teams that are like them. They're, they're, they're hungry for the playoffs. Jets. Um, yeah, they're all true. right. I mean, I, go figure. Uh, the Bears and, the, you know, look. Fields is healthy. If he's healthy, what he can do to you. And then you go to the Packers uh, in what could well be. I mean, could you imagine that game, the drama of that game? If the Lions go into Green Bay, okay, the Lions being a story themselves, right, with a chance to make the playoffs, say, if they win the game, and all the drama that will be out there about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers playing his final game as a Packer at Lambeau Field. <laughs> What a, if what you're a, NBC, that's the game that you're dreaming about right there. More than any other game on the schedule. Even more than the Bengals-Ravens. Because the Bengals-Ravens are going to be in, right? Right. You, generally, NBC picks that last game of the year on Sunday night where it's an in or done game for somebody, if not both. They've lucked out in the past where it's been head-to-head -head teams. Whoever wins it gets in. Whoever loses it is out. But could you imagine um, if Detroit and that last game and they have to win to get in the playoffs, the final playoff spot, and Aaron Rodgers, maybe his last game is a Green Bay Packer at Lambeau? Speak it into existence, Tom. Speak, Speak it, into, it into existence. Okay. <laughs> uh, have we heard from Zim Hude yet, or is he still uh, MIA? Still MIA. He's probably still celebrating. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. He probably, probably is. Probably out in the woods. He needed to do some serious meditation after after the the amount of excitement and adrenaline that rushed through his body. Because we finally beat the stinking Browns. Speaking of stinking, do you have it? Oh, we don't have it. What do I, we have? I, I can pull it back up. But I did make a early stink list for this week oh really oh boy and this one i know is not gonna be uh you're not gonna like this one tom i i can just tell you that right off the bat but well, are you say, look bring it up just okay. just pop it on the screen all right you've got uh, buffalo still ahead of the bengalis philadelphia first no surprise kansas city uh, i got no problem with that first line wait a minute is that did you just misplace those teams <laughs> I did not misplace those teams. So, the Dallas Cowboys are 10-3, and three, and you don't think they're a borderline good team? You mean to tell me that after the top five teams in a league, 
Minnesota's lost, what, three? Yep. Dallas has lost three. Yep. I get it with Miami, Seattle, Chargers, Tennessee, Ravens. You know, they got uncertainty at quarterback. I get it with the Patriots, the, the football wizards, and the Jets. But you mean to tell me you can't put Dallas and Minnesota on that borderline good, or at least Dallas at the minimum? Well, the Vikings are frauds. Okay. And they can only win when it's 1 p.m., but they lost at 1 p.m. So what does that really tell us? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're not that great. And Dallas, they almost lost to the Texans. I mean, I get it. A win's a win. But this was a game where they were favored by 17 and a half points or something like that. 17 total points. And you're telling me that it came down to the wire. It came down to one last drive to be able to edge them out. That they were the Texans were almost favored to win the game. The live line had them winning the game at like a sixty-five percent win rate at one point. Dude, how do you Come have on. the Cowboys to beat the Vikings forty to three? They're out of the Vikings. I, I, okay, <laughs> they're we're out of the Vikings. How the Vikings. do you not have them at least on the borderline good line? I think if you did this one to the bottom. I think if he did it without drinking first, we might be all right. <laughs> I, I made it this morning. Well, like I, I said, I, I had my Pawnee water. Drink. I had my Pawnee water, and I, I feel good. And I was like, all right, here we go. Let's stir the pot a little what bit. What was this in how that Pawnee water? A little bourbon? Some little alkaline water? A little bourbon? You want to tee up the, the alkaline water read at all? Do we have it? that? Do we got it? No, but I can tell you, I ran into the guys the other day uh, across the street where Pawnee is located right here in downtown Hamilton. And if you haven't heard us talk about it, I was the biggest. And I had a friend of mine say the same thing to me over the weekend because he went and found some Pawnee water because uh, he watches our show regularly. And he said, look, he said, I, you, know, you got a sponsor. They're paying for advertising. You know, I get it. You got to suck up to them, right? He's like, there's no way there is a difference in tasting water. He said, at the end of the day, with, you know, this kind of stuff or pick any other ones you can buy anywhere. I'm not talking about tap water all the time. That can vary place to place. We know that. But he says, look, he says, I, I was very skeptical. And he said, and then I tried it. It's Pani Water, P-A-H-N-N-I. And the filtration system, everything is all natural. They're not using this artificial stuff. Um, start calling some of your favorite grocers or wherever because they're trying to get in more and more stores. If you go to Pawnee, P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com, P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com, you'll be able to find out where you can buy it. It does taste different. It does. I, I really enjoy it. And after drinking that water, I came up with this beautiful, beautiful list, I should should say. And uh, I don't see anything wrong with it, honestly. I, I saw some of the comments earlier that said that the Broncos should be in the stench category. And I would maybe agree with you if they hadn't put up such a good fight against Kansas City. I mean, if anything, I should just add Russell Wilson into the smelly stench category. The Broncos' defense is legit. Everything else around them just sucks. I mean, it just is – I don't get well, it. Well, they've been injured understand. offensive line. I mean, you know, decimated three of the five guys that were there at the beginning. And I'm not making excuses for Russell Wilson. Um, but, boy, they're, I mean, they're bad. 
Yeah, and honestly, I should have I should have moved the Lions up to the top of the stink list, honestly. I have so much faith in them. I really think that they can get something going here towards the end of the season. It'll be a shame if they don't make it in, honestly. It, it really, really will be. be. And, I, and I'm rooting. I call him the battling uh, Chris Spielmans because he's my longtime partner on NFL games. Great player. Uh, phenomenal player. Uh, but, um, you know, he, he helped put together that whole thing to hire Dan Campbell. When they didn't have a GM, they had fired everybody two years ago. In fact, Chris Spielman was in the middle of a football season broadcasting for Fox. He was doing a Bengals game here two Novembers ago. And I went out to dinner with him on Saturday night. Game is on Sunday, just the two of us. And he says, hey, tomorrow's my last game in the booth. I'm going to work for the Lions. Owner called him up, said, I want you to come on board. We need to change a culture around here. He was one of their great players. He's also a fascinating man. Um, it, it, we'd love to get him on uh, as a big interview sometime soon. For many of you that don't remember, uh, outside of Olympic athletes, Okay, so like, you know, the Mary Lou Rettons of the world and that kind of thing. He was the first amateur team sport player as a high school to ever be put on a Wheaties box. He was at Massillon High School in Massillon, Ohio, as a senior in high school. Arguably the most recruited high school football player in the history of college and high school football. He was on the cover of a Wheaties box. That's how good he was. But anyway, ends up going to Ohio State, ends up in the NFL, pro bowler, blah, 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 blah. Had to retire three times because his wife, three different bouts of um, breast cancer. She eventually died. They have named at the James Center up at Ohio State University, the Breast Cancer Research Center there is named the Stephanie Spielman Cancer Center. He's an amazing man. But anyway, he, he was part of the guy that, that they brought in, interviewed all these different coaches. He, I talked to him on the phone. He's like, you know, I think we're going to hire this Dan Campbell guy. There's something about this guy. And they didn't have a general, general manager yet. So Spielman and the owner and a couple of others are all in there. They hire Campbell. Um, then they bring in the GM. They hire him. Spiels kind of steps back now, and he just, you know, He's all about the, the relationship between the office employees and the team and feeling like there should be a connection there. And that's what he's doing now, but we got to get him on the show. Yeah, definitely. Knows him who day yeah. Would you nope. say that Chris is, you know. No, there's no question about it. <laughs> if you're talking about Chris Spielman and asking me, is Chris Spielman a leader of men? You better believe it, brother. More so than just about anybody I've met in my life. He is up here in my book, man. And there's nobody above him. As far as people that walk the planet, he is number one. Leader of men, Spiels. <laughs> Son of Sonny Spielman. Legendary coach at Massillon in Ohio. Sir Boy Wonder loves Dan Campbell. Um... I love the nickname, too, that people give him. DCMC. Yeah. Dan Campbell or MCDC or whatever they say. Motor City Dan Campbell. Motor City Dan Campbell is what they're calling him. Yep. The fighting MCDCs. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with Zim. You know, 
He normally is very reliable. The MCDCs, the Dan Campbells. Do you honestly think they're going to get in? Honestly. I, I Tell the truth. I just gave you their schedule. Do you really believe they're going to get in? They need help because, you know, the, 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 one of their problems is, before you answer the question, yep. is one of the problems is a couple of the teams ahead of them, the Washington Football Wizards and the Giants, are all playing one another, right? So one of them's going to gain ground. They tied the first time, if I'm not mistaken, the Commanders and the Giants, right? Yeah. Okay. They got to play again. So somebody wins, somebody loses. So they're going to have to find a way for those teams to do whatever they do and then lose a bunch of other games. And Jolly Jolly from California says, Zim has become as reliable as the power grid here in California. Oh, boy, don't even get me started. There he is. Don't he? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. We've hit the jackpot. Here he is. Zim Hooday. You've been out reflecting out in the woods a little bit, Zim, this morning? Not today. Not today. No? Not today. How you doing today, Tom? I'm doing good, man. You all right? Yeah, man. I was taking my son to school, and I caught some terrible traffic. I was like, oh, my God. Have you said it? When's the last time you said in two hours of traffic? That just no. gave me a headache. That's not oh good. Oh, my God. That's not how's your, son, how's your son doing? I mean, did he watch the game with you yesterday, or does he kind of got to get out of the room when, when, when the game's on? He's got to get out the room. Dad goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he he knows though. He has like this thing on his phone that like he'll he looks up the score. So like if we lose, he'll be like, hey, you know, you got another game coming up. Like I don't I don't I don't know why he talks like I'm on the team. Um, and if we win, you know, he's ex real nonchalant. He's just like, yeah, I know, I saw the score, y'all won. You are on the team. I mean, basically, you are, uh, you know, a, a member of the Cincinnati Bengals roster for all intents and purposes. What's the sweatshirt? Is that something we can buy? Uh, what do you got going on there? Oh, this, this is uh, this is my guy, uh, Strawberry Ice. I don't know if you know him. He's a, a real prominent uh, guy in the uh, Bengals community, but he does this. This is actually tied in with Joe Burrow's food pantry Um uh, I, I, I don't want to get the names wrong, but they made it. It's called Jackpot Joey. Uh, I cannot think of the guy's name that made it. I, I apologize. I'm so sorry. But my my friend Strawberry Ice and, and, and the guy that made it, they sent me this. And um, uh, a, a, a portion of everything that they sell goes to the, the Joe Burrow Food Pantry in, in Athens. So it's a real good cause. They sent me a bunch of gear last, uh, last year, I believe. And I just wear it. It's super comfortable. Jackpot Joey. Well, yeah, and, it's and a I, strawberry I, I, ice. He's asked me to be on his podcast. Is that something that's a good idea? Should I be on Zim? I've been on your podcast, Winsonati. Yeah, yeah. Strawberry ice is cool, people, man. He's he's super energetic. Uh, at a tailgate, he's the wild guy. You might want to stay clear of him. He's a big guy too. He's like six five too. So like strawberry a ice. A man with the nickname Strawberry Ice is like six five. That sounds like some you know uh, white guy who's <laughs> dancing around and weighs a buck thirty. He dances. He's a big. He's like a big bear, though. He's like six five. He's got a ton of energy. You got to stay clear of him at a tailgate, though. He'll run you over, Tom. You got to be careful out there. Right, there's no doubt. I know you I, like to get in the trenches. I do. I love getting in the trenches, and that's why I love you, Zim. And listen, um, let, let let's start on the positive side. You you know, we said you exercise the demons. Uh, finally, beating the brownies. I mean, you were getting after some people now on uh, on Twitter. 
I mean, what, what's a line you use? You, you borrowed that uh, Robert Sala line about I'm collecting receipts on this stuff? Well, well, this is the thing that's been going on. It's like, I watched it for years happen, and I, I do this every week. The Chiefs, I, I thought I did a really good job with those receipts last week. Um, but I do it every week. Throughout the year, I just collect them. They just fall into my lap. People just talk so crazy. I guess the way that they view football or talk trash is different than the way I talk football. Before a game, I generally respect my opponent. I look at the different things I think they're strong at, things that they're weak. I might say, hey, I think the Bengals might win. But you'll see on those receipts that I post, it's just like uh, Joe Burrow's mid. He's trash. Uh, Jamar Chase is not a top five uh, 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 wide receiver. Uh, Nick Chubb is going to run all over us. Like all these different things. And one of my points is, and I don't do it for Bengals fans because Bengals fans have got some ugly tweets out there too. But one of my things is accountability. I feel like, and I do it for national pundits too. You'll see a couple of those on your timeline too. But they'll have these wild, crazy takes just based off of their preconceptions of what they think the Bengals are going to be. Their preconceptions even sometimes just flood into the actual game itself. Like last week, remember when we beat the Chiefs, uh, everybody that thought the Chiefs would win, would yep. they say, oh, if Kelsey, if Kelsey doesn't fumble the ball, yep. that game goes different. But if you're a Bengals, but if you if you were just looking at the football game itself, you say, man, the Bengals were in a really good position the whole time. Yep. Tyler Boyd drops the uh, pass. If Juju doesn't get the fourth down, you probably get blown out. Yep. But the way that people view games is objectively from the Bengals standpoint, and it carries on over to Twitter. And I like to let everybody see, and I, I like to use it as a learning lesson, like, hey, you should respect the Bengals, and if you don't, Zim is on your ass. <laughs> all right, let me ask you this. Simple as that. Are you, are you a little worried at all, Zim? Your guy, Mixon, came back, looked really good. Happy for him. 14 carries, 96 yards, had the big 40-yard run. Um, are you – What's your level of concern about the, the Boyd and Higgins things? Uh, I saw a report, a report earlier that said that the Boyd one, they just thought was a dislocation. And it's just going to be like a pain thing. So I thought that was really good to hear no um, surgery. Uh, so that's a real, the real good positive. I'm a little bit more concerned about the Trey Hendrickson one. Yeah. Because a, a wrist break, everybody said just put a club on it. But a lot of his moves and different things, you know, come from, like, his technique. And I don't know if he'll be smashing people with the hook. I don't know how long he'll be out. Luckily for us, I think the next two games that we're playing, I think their interior offensive lines are really weak. So I do think that we can capitalize and get some good interior pressure. But um, I'm more concerned about that. The T. Higgins one, I just thought that Zach is going this conservative role this year where he understands. And I never forget this interview he had with the Rams one time. They were talking about what happened to Todd Gurley, and they thought that they misused him. And I could see the regret in um, uh, McVay and uh, in Zach Taylor's eyes that just like, man, like, had we done these things differently, we wouldn't have wore it down Todd Gurley. And I think he carries that with him. I would love to ask him that one day. If you know him, let me know. I don't um, know him, Zim. You know him better than I do, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you're the guy. If somebody gave me his number one. To Zach Taylor, it's going to be you. It's not going to be me. Somebody gave me his number one time, a uh, 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 coach, and, you know, um, I didn't call him. I, I feel I feel like I wanted to know him personally. I didn't want to give him a weird phone call. But I think that he's going to conservative role with my boy Mixon. He did that for the last two weeks with the advancements and everything we know about CTE and different things like that. Hey, let's just, you know, like, you know, 
uh, ride this out. And and I think the depth is showing. Yep. And I think for the long haul, you get yourself in a bind, something that can go your way or whatever in the playoffs. I think it's really good that you got these guys, especially – I don't know when we're going to talk about a defense, but especially like a, a Cam Taylor-Britt, yep. you know, like now – flourishing and getting into these roles. So it's not like you're throwing guys into the fire at the point where we need them the most. And I think that's the T. I need T Higgins, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase to get a thousand yards though. I'm sorry. I need that. Just, I need that for the sport of football. I need us to look at that. Man, We're not that far away next year on that one, my man, because uh, Higgins, I mean, uh, Boyd's only sitting around 600 something and he ain't getting 400 no. the last four weeks. Of no, the season he's, he's only, he's only a game or two. No, he's only, so say he plays next game. He's on, he's only a hundred. I mean, three hundred and so he's he's got seven hundred and something. I thought he had. But doesn't he's got six seventy? I don't know. I thought it was six something. I thought I read it this okay. morning. I got to fact check it. All right, so maybe he's at six. I six thought he was fifty-five. So you're not far off. I mean, he's three fifty away. He could do it. Four games. But he's got to play to do it. Yeah, that's true. Right. I just right. want this. I want the snapshot of the Bengals to be like. When we're looking back at this, when we, you know, go in the Super Bowl run, I want them to really put it in the proper context. Like, hey, this is probably one of the best wide receiver trios we've ever seen. Oh, yeah, Joe Mixon, he missed a couple games, but I think he could still get a 1,000 too. You, you, like, this team is very deep, and they have some goals yep. that I know that they all want to hit. So There's that's the no only caveat to letting them rest. But I think more importantly, being healthy for the playoffs is more important than everything. And, you know, look, I, I've gotten on uh, Taylor early in the year. I still stand by the offensive line thing and not playing in the preseason, but that is old news. Nobody cares. Uh, he, is, he has done an excellent job on multiple fronts keeping this team together. And Arumo, though, and, and I said it earlier, Zim, um, and, and we've said this, you and I have talked about this for weeks now. The one thing, because of all the offensive weapons, that rarely is talked about with this team. And I believe as we sit here today, ultimately, the Bengals' defense is winning games every bit as much as the yes. Bengals' offense is winning games. In fact, I think you can make an argument they're winning more games because of their defense than they are their offense. I agree. I agree 100%. I, you know, think about how crazy this defense is. They go and slaughter the Panthers. <laughs> We're up 42 to 7 with the starters in and everything like that, right? And because the offense was so dominant, lost in the sauce is that the defense killed them that game. They killed the Falcons too. And then you know how they how you know? Cause then go watch these same teams the following week. You know what I mean? Like yep. go watch them like immediately after. Like, go, did you see the Panthers yesterday? Yep. When we played the Panthers, they looked like the worst team in football. Yep. The Panthers look like the 10th best, 15th best play team in football yesterday, you know. And so the defense makes a lot of these guys look pedestrian. And I think single-handedly, I thought the Browns had so many chances to go win that game. It was nerve-wracking. It felt like they had 30 possessions. Every time we would make a huge stop, I, I didn't feel like our offense was bad. But it was like, in my mind, it was so weird. I was like, why do the Browns have the ball again? And the, and the defense will just yep. step up, yep. ball out, and make another play. 
Well, Zim, uh, before I let you go, and we'll have you on again later in the week if you got the time, uh, I mean, Christmas is around the corner. A lot of big Bengals fans. You've got lots of merchandise stuff, so I'm going to give you a chance to, to, to give us a sales pitch because a lot of people are last-minute shoppers like myself. You got anything good? You got to go to ZimHooday.com, and I promise you, if, if you could order, if you're watching this, I'll have it there before Christmas, I assure you. If you're in the Ohio area, we generally ship out like the, the following day. You probably get it like three, three, four business days or so. Okay. If it's a little further out, you know, you're kind of pushing it at this point. We're, we're getting really close to Christmas. I still think we can get it out to you, but I really want you guys to go check out ZimHooday.com. A lot of different things that we're, we've been saying on the show here on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, here with Tom. A lot of things that we've been saying, like it is us and, you know, uh, they got to play us and all these different things that we've seen them come to fruition throughout the season and even the Bengals kind of adapting it. And that was my mind frame coming into the season. I was in savage mode when the season started. Yes, you were. Like th- we, we were the team to be in ZimHooday.com, the merch that's on there, I think really reflects that because, you know, you got to you gotta go. They're like, what do you want revenge for? I put the revenge to on the back. I was like, revenge for everybody ever doubting us. And I think I represent for a large amount of people um, that watch Bengals teams be really good. But you you know the, the misfortunes of Carson Palmer's knee or different things. And they don't talk about those things. And they remove context when they talk about us. And I'm out for blood. I really want to go back and stick it to everybody. And I want the Bengals to win so that we could all collectively say yes and the, we've all we've had a good team in a lot of different spots. It's just the way life goes sometimes, and I just hate the way that they talk about us. And and I think we need a championship to 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 move the needle a little bit in our favor, so that guys that we really like, the Jonathan Josephs of the world, the Leon Halls, the Ocho Cinco's, the the Isaac Curtis, the Willie Andersons, they get their just due. They all go hand in hand, and. Um, and maybe it's it, maybe revenge is a harsh word, but I just want the, our, the teams that you grew up liking, the teams that you love, the team that you invested so much into. I want those guys to get their just due, and the Bengals need to win now so that th- that they can get our stuff highlighted really well. ZimHuday.com has the merch that gives you the eye of the tiger, and, and, and really, you know, Zim, uh, there are givers in this world, and there are takers in this world. You are truly a giver. And so, you know, I mean, I admire it. Uh, you're always thinking about somebody else. You could always be looking for the limelight. That's not your style. You're a giver. I like to think so. I want, if every, look, look, the, the full story, so many people, you ever notice so many people wake up and tell you about stuff that they want to go well, you know, in their lives. Like, you know, maybe it's not the way God intended it, but like so many things. Oh man, it's like as the as though nobody else has those same issues, right? But I drive past like homeless people like all the time that are in far worse positions than I that I'm in, and I think I'm so thankful that I'm in the position that I am to even come on here and talk. I'm so thankful. Like if everybody is successful, if you're successful, and all the people around me are successful, if the Bengals are successful, all the things that a lot of people clamor for, I'm just using Bengals as as an example. If you're helping out everybody that you're close to or people that you care about, I'm telling you, it comes back tenfold. That's why people be like, what? You think Joe Burrow's going to take the discount? I'm like, no. 
Pay him the full amount of money. Pay him all the money. Why? Because he's going to bring it back to the city of Cincinnati times a million. Stop thinking about what you want the, the roster to look like. Get paid. Joe Burrow is the guy that can help out a lot of different things around your team, and all the things will fall into place. And life is like that, too. If everybody else is around you and you're constantly with you, like being a resource and, and, and being an advocate for these people, I promise you, I'm living proof. Like, everybody's helped me, but it's all on the strength of I love to see everybody around me go up. If we all go up, I mean, we strong. Look at P-Ron and Mixon yesterday. There is no starter. It's it's thunder and lightning. We can hit them with everything we got. You see what I'm saying? I, Zim, believe me, buddy. In, in, in this time of year, we're always reminded about the, the spirit of giving, right, and giving gladly. And that is what you're all about, Zim. That's why we love having you on the show. You got the Wincinnati podcast going with our man Ace Boogie, some dude yes, named sir. Strawberry Ice. You've introduced me to that. I got to get on his show. I mean, I thought it was you know, like Vanilla Ice, somebody like that. But now you're telling me Strawberry Ice is a big dude, six five. I better be on just because he's six five. All right, Zim, have a good day today, man. You have a wonderful day. Happy holidays. I'm going to see you later on this week, right? You got that right, my man. We're going to talk about the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers later this week. So looking forward to that. Take it easy, Tom my Brady man. Gonna have to, Tom Brady going to have to sign that Joe Burrow jersey, ain't he? At the end of this game, they do the jersey swap. <laughs> we, he's going to hand over the keys to the kingdom and say, let's ride. Let's do this thing. And here we go. Here comes Joe, everybody. <laughs> All right, Zim. Have a good day, my man. You too, man. Have Zim a good day. Zim Hude. The guy's awesome. Simply awesome. So are the guys in a box lunch. Fellas, what's happening? Good weekend? Great weekend. What's the deal, by the way? Uh, when I get in here really early in the morning, mm -hmm. and, you know, Paul obviously, uh, you know, comes rolling in. Uh, Casey has done his tink list. He's clearly deep in the jar by the time he gets here. Brandon was at the game yesterday. You know, the whole night. And they tell me that, you know, like, none of your family likes sports. What, 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 what's the deal with that? It's it's no, my family loves sports dearly. The family that I married into, not so much. They they constantly are planning things on Sundays when the Bengals play, or even worse, the one Saturday that they plan something all year is when the crosstown shootout happens. It's it's a serious problem I'm dealing with every every week. It seems that like, is Tom. a problem. It's a it's a serious it's, it's getting a bad. serious matter. I mean, Reed has to find a way to at least have a somewhat reasonable conversation and i'm not going to say with these people and those types of things but before we before we get to all of that i believe they have a cherry on top i don't know for sure oh but they do i, I didn't think know casey that. i we think have casey's a cherry on top I think Forgive casey's me. we do, we do. United yeah. dairy farmers we do and we have a little something special for you tom okay I love these oh look Little hot fudge sundae there, cherry on top. It's my favorite. Yeah. All right, and today's cherry on That's top. That's sweet, by the way. That's really nice. We are highlighting a very special fan. His name is Mark Walters, and this dude. Every time I've been to a Bengals game, has just been going nuts. And every third down, fourth down, this guy. I mean, you get you gotta just see this for a second. This guy, <laughs> every time on the Look Jumbotron, he's just Look going at... after it. And here's, here's proof that he was on the Jumbotron 
just going after <laughs> every third down, man. And it was crazy. It was every third down. He's just yelling, swinging that towel around. It's third down. Yeah. Or in this case, fourth down. Yeah. I mean, the He's guy. He's even more fired up on fourth down. Oh, yeah. Let's go. The Fire dude, me up. The dude brought the energy to the stadium. He brought life to the fans. I just wanted to give him a special shout out. His name is Mark Walters. Walt, Mark Walters. That's good stuff. Mark, thank you. And, and, and I really love the intro there. There'll be more of that sort that's of. That's great stuff. All right. Sort of content coming up soon. Yes. Suggested by Zachary, we ought to get leader of men sports hoodies. Oh, Zachary yeah. Murray with a leader of rage. <laughs> <laughs> leader of rage, yeah. All right, fellas, what do you got going on here today? Well, we're going to talk about the shootout yeah. and, and uh, of course, the Bengals. As they, they got another win, so yep. that's that's big, of course. Yeah, I, I also say yesterday I was fortunate enough to go to the game, obviously, and I feel like there's this uh, – we'll get into it in the show. But before that, I mean, you I know the there's Bengals some people game watching. Yesterday? I did. There were some people watching. Yeah. There were some people that are watching the show probably never seen box launch before, and that's fair. Here's what I got to say, because I don't know if anyone really pays attention. Perhaps I know the, the loyal chat does. But I, I just thought I'd write some things down. I'm not trying to pat us ourselves on the back, or maybe I am. But on this show, weeks ago, we told you to take Ohio State to win the national championship at plus 1,400 odds. It's now down to plus 300. We also told you, Casey will, Casey will test. We told you to take the Lions to make the playoffs a couple weeks ago. They're down from a plus 1,000 at the time, down to plus 300, Tom. We also said take Pretty the good. Jags. Take the Jags. Did we not say take the Jags to make yep. the postseason? Yep. Chat will back us up on that. At the time, it was plus 900. It's down to plus 300. And if you don't know, the Jags have the inside track to win the division if you haven't paid attention because I got the Titans one more time, and then all they need is the Titans to lose one more time, and then they have the tiebreaker. And we also, like, not to, you know, I could go down this list forever, but we did say that if you're, you're going to be a square, if you take USC and who, what happened, Utah. You did, you did, them, yeah, you, you know. did. Also said the same thing about TCU and Kansas State. So, just saying, if you want to hang around, as, 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 a, as a friend of the show, Tracy Jones says, we see things that most of you people don't see. That's a good point. And I was enlightened, Tom, that yesterday there was this nice, beautiful graphic that was sent in the group chat. The Bengals are 18 and three against the spread. Yeah. Credit to me for finding one of the three. You know, I mean, he's, everybody he's wanted to get oh, everybody wanted football. to get on. Credit to me for finding one of the three. Yeah, top. but that bet now, you made about the Browns in the Super Bowl is eh, one of the ones well, you didn't bring up. Now, what Trace Trace doesn't doesn't allude to. I think every week he goes in there. He's like, I don't know. I think you might want to be taking your opponent this week and seriously. And then the one week that he finally hits, he's like, I told you, I saw it coming. Told you, I saw it coming. Well, All right, but I do want to see, uh, Tom, you said you didn't really watch the shootout closely. I did not. I will you say this. the first half. I don't believe that officiating was the reason or the difference in the game, but I do think there was some situation, on some situations specifically, where UC was starting to try to get its traction, and they just were on the unfortunate end of calls. I don't have the clip of the last call, which was the drive by... Right. by um, Sule boom. Sule boom to, yeah. the, to the rim. They called the, they called the foul. And to be honest, it was a foul. But I've seen the whistle swallowed in those situations before with one second left on the clock. So I, I'm just going to point out the fact that these are two calls, Tom. Okay. Both called against UC. I'm going to let Casey runs the clip. 
So we don't, we don't, we don't, we leave this on so the record. So you are Do saying, after not saying, you are saying that the <laughs> officials did make a difference in the outcome. I would you say, are saying yeah, that. He is that. I'm saying because that. if you're saying about the swallowing the, the the whistle, and you're right about this, and and this is an age-old argument, should they swallow it? A foul in the first minute is the same as a foul in the mm-hmm. last ten seconds, right? Correct. Okay, we've all had that debate. But it sounds to me like you're saying they did play a role. I'm an, I would consider myself a little bit of a bias here. I'm not a fan of UC or Xavier, but I, I root for the Bearcats, as I've said before. I don't think that they're as talented as Xavier is, but I do think that when you're playing in your home building in a rivalry game, you shouldn't have every call go against you. And UC Gosh. had... Almost every call go against them. Just run the clip, Casey. Uh, Let's watch these. Tom, Tom, you tell me. It's ridiculous. Audio or no audio? I have still not seen the clip of the last play. Well, good. Then, then these are these are two plays that aren't the aren't the aren't the last. Oh, okay. These are just plays during the game. Okay. What do we got here? Run the clip. Run it. Let the people see. You're gonna see it right here. This who's this foul called on, Tom? What's on UC? You can't stick your arm out like that and Are blast the guy coming. It's not a pick. Tom. You got to have your body ready. Tom, UC's wearing black to make sure you know this. Oh, I'm sorry. Run it again. <laughs> I thought the home teams always wore white. Uh, okay, I'm gonna okay re- sorry. I'm so gonna UC's wearing black UC's here. wearing black. So go ahead. Well, who's this foul on? There's no question about it. That should have been on Xavier. Yeah. Not called, even called debated. On, and, and called look, on UC. And I, just, and, I, and I just said that, you know. You I, did. I saying, you accidentally said it was on the other team. Well, that's exactly right. The guy right, right there setting the screen is not allowed to do that. Yep. He cannot so, throw his arm out like that and call? blast some guy on a screen. That's right. So here's the next call, right? Go ahead and run it, Casey. Run it. You weren't paying enough attention. So, so, no, it's the same. so it's on the same clip. I'm sorry. It's on the same clip. Yeah, okay. it's on the same clip. Okay. Go ahead and fast forward through. So here, I'll set this one up, Tom. Guess what happens immediately after? Well, we're gonna watch this play again. God, I don't know if you can, right, right here, you right see. here. Okay. Watch this call. Watch the referee's eyes. By the way, he's not even looking at the ball. He's looking down the line, and then all of a sudden, he turns his head real quick and realizes, oh, something happened back here. Now I have to make a call. You know what you're supposed to do in that situation? Ask for help. That, and if you don't know, you genuinely don't know. You huddle up, and you do a jump ball because you missed it. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell on that right well, there. Here, here, here it is again. One the, more time. The, it uh, bounces off of Sule Boom, okay. and then Fremantle immediately hits a three directly after. And again, okay. I'm not here trying to be like this, this, this homer guy saying that the refs cost him. Xavier's a better basketball team. But at the end, at the end of the day, I just think if you're on your home floor, you should, you should probably get the benefit of some close calls, and they didn't get the benefit of well, any look, of Well, look, I don't care about the benefit of close calls. I'm just saying, I, the, you know, the last one, I can't tell anything. But I, I will say this, that, that, that other call, and look, I'm sure we could go down. And there are a lot of Xavier fans that would be able to say, hey, look, you know, um, th- we could show you exhibit A, B, and C of calls we didn't get either. Right. So, no, you're right. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I hate blaming officials uh, one way or the other. They're out there busting their tail, doing the best they can. But um, are you worried for Wes? No, not at all. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. UC is going to be fine. You have to have players. I'll tell you one thing we're seeing on the flip side is Sean Miller can coach. Yeah, he can. I mean, I, I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. But you just look at the way they play. I don't think they're that good. They miss. No, they're not they, they talented, go too long of, of 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 droughts and not shooting well, and I think when you play really good teams, 
And, and Xavier's going to be a tournament team. And, and who knows Uh-oh. what kind of team they'll look like when we get into to February and March. They're going to be, you agree, Paul, they're going to be a tournament team. Yeah. Conference stinks. They're well coached. They've got good talent. Uh-huh. There are times they can make a lot of shots. Tom, they have the ninth best offense in the country. I understand that. <laughs> but I'm saying, if you look at, there are times, though, where like even in that Scoring game, droughts. That's what I'm talking. Yes. I'm not talking okay. about how many points you score. Okay. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. How many do you score, okay. right? Yes. But when you're playing in tight games against other teams that can score, okay, you can't go three, four, five minutes of a game of missing shots. That's what I mean. I see what you're saying. So, I mean, I look, I, I, I love Sean Miller. I just think the guy is a great coach. They've got good players. They've got good experience. Yep. And is that fair? Good experience? Yeah. Well, they got two or three fifth-year guys, yeah. fourth-year guys. Between Nungy. Fremantle, Nunji, Sule Boom. I know he hasn't been at Xavier. Yeah, I know. Whole I'm t- saying he's played. a grad transfer. He's right, played, yeah. a lot of basketball. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're going to get better and better and better. They stay away from injuries, man. X is going to be a handful at the end of the year. I'd agree. And I'd also say this. For as many times as coaches, and this is one thing that these guys will tell you I'm a stickler on, for as many times as coaches that make millions of dollars miss <laughs> at the end of games on what to do in situations – both of those coaches were nails. I mean, I, I sent the group chat and was like, if, if Sean Miller, I think obviously I was being a little bit facetious here. I said, if Sean Miller doesn't tell Boom to miss his free throw on purpose, he's a terrible coach. What did he do? He came out of the timeout, missed it on purpose. And then something I've never seen done yep. before. Big brain. Big brain. Big brain move by Wes that Miller. That is a big brain move. Calling a timeout, yep. knowing that there's a small chance that you can obviously set up a play instead of just throwing a 90-foot Hail Mary is, is, is something that I think – isn't valued enough within like the fandom, you know, like that's something that obviously Wes is a student of the game. He's really, really passionate about knowing all of your situations and how you can utilize them to your advantage. And I give him credit for knowing the rule and then also getting it clarified before he did it too, but from the lead official. Um, Cause I like everybody in the, in the, not only watching, but I think everybody in the gym was wondering what in the world was going on when he called that timeout. Um, so credit to them both. But anyway, Bengals are looking pretty good, if we're being honest. Looking really good. Paul's pretty mad at me for saying about Xavier. What's well, he mad about? Mad. He's I think mad. he rolled his eyes He's at you, mad. Tom. He did. He was I mad. Think he, I think He's he mad. rolled his eyes. I mean, because he oh, broke out that ninth mad. highest team in the country scoring stuff in the drop of a hat. I mean, just I'm just saying. His eyes I mean, at you. I'm just saying, too. I said, I didn't say they can't score. I said they go stretches where they don't score. And you can say every team does. Then he facetiously right. was like, yeah, scoring drought. He was, he was, he was. Oh, it's okay. He's allowed it's to be. He's part of the program. We're all equal here. Part it's of the program. Right. Yeah, he's. But he, I mean, he'll get the red ass now in a heartbeat when it comes to the Xavier Musketeers. <laughs> yes, he will. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. You I'm have anything to say about that, Paul, before no, we no, go, I get out of here. Nothing to See, say. See, here he goes. Now, now he's wilting. Now he's pouting. <laughs> nothing to say. He's pouting. No, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried is. about it. Pouting. <laughs> That's what I hear from my kids. No, no, Pouting's for UC fans. I'm not, no, I'm not worried about it. Boy. Oh, well. I had a bunch of UC people come up to me at the bar. I just smiled and waved. Jolly, jolly. Smile you're smarter than that. Come on. I mean, you can't say that Wes Miller's timeout wasn't brilliant. It's yeah, not, let, I mean, let, it them, was. let them set I was up a listening play. to the radio, um, and when Wes Miller came over to talk to Dan Horde and Terry Nelson about that, because, you know, you, before you guys came in, we were talking Paul and, yeah. and, uh, and Casey and I, I. I've never heard of, uh, and I mean, I think I know a little bit about basketball. Obviously, I don't know much. I'd never heard of a team that, um, that, that was on the, the 
positive side on an opposition technical foul that did not get the ball back after a technical foul. Right. You know, sometimes it's a one-shot tee and you get the ball out of bounds, side out at midcourt. Sometimes it's a two-shot tee, depending on what it is, you get the ball. I've never seen in my life, and obviously, like you said, credit to Wes Miller, he knew it. Right. If you call a timeout, in that case, or I mean, call it timeout and you get the tee, you are going to get the ball and have a chance to yep. set up a final shot. That's a big league yeah. move. That, that specific technical, and Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe they've changed the rule in the past years or something. Because they've, they've, they've started classifying technical fouls yeah. lately than they never used to, right? A technical yeah. foul for the longest yep. time was two shots and you get the ball set that's out of right. bounds, and that's what it is. Now we got all these kind of flagrant ones, flagrant twos, class A, you know, class, class A, flopping technical where yeah. you get one shot and then the other team gets the ball back. So it's like we got all these different rules. So maybe it's been changed in the recent years that I don't know about. But to your point, I've never seen a technical foul of that manner where you get the ball back. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I guarantee the there rule, are coaches so. all over the country that are looking at that piece of video yep. today. And it'll, that won't be the last time this right. year where that's probably used. You're again. exactly I right. I mean, I don't know how many more times it'll be used, but Wes Miller set a standard because you, yeah. you do that with, I would say, if you got no timeouts in three seconds or less on the clock, you probably do that again, right? Because you, you got to also you would assume do it, you would do it. You would do it theoretically with, 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 you could do it with, a minute and a half left the game. Well, you, you I'm not saying well, you, you would, it. but I'm saying you could theoretically do it anytime you wanted to do it if you felt like you had to get the ball for some reason. You know, right? the, the, the other thing that it does is it kind of puts you in a funny position on the other end on telling, in this case, would have been Sule Boom to miss that free throw or not. Because he missed it on purpose, but if he makes that free throw, Cincinnati can't get a tech because then they'd go down by four. You see what I'm saying? But they wouldn't need they wouldn't need the tech because then they're taking it out from underneath the hoop. Yeah, but they Jolly still Jolly's too smart to of a guy to, to be this. This the, he's he's having a bad moment right now. What? He's I mean he, Jolly Jolly. You have two options. If you call a te if you call a timeout, you at least get a chance to set up a play for a hail mary. The percentages are low both ways. Let's right. not get it's, it twisted. Right. We're, we're we're splitting hairs to a small extent. No, here. but we saw in, the, in, in the, one of the most legendary games of all time, the Kentucky Duke game, right? Yeah, the and they had a little more time. No, but all I'm saying second. is that it was a sh they had the ball underneath right. the basket. They threw the ball to Leitner. Mm -hmm. He caught it, turned, shoot, game right. over. Right. And, and listen, your percentages are much higher taking the ball out of bound with one second than having your big man turn around from 95 feet and even come close to even hitting that's the right. backboard that's of the rim, right. let alone making the shot. That's right. So that's all it comes down to. But I will say, from UC's perspective, I am semi-concerned, and I brought up it's a little bit of, like, facetious in regards as Wes is Wes. My only concern for UC is that they're making – I don't think their fan – well, I don't want to be too negative here. I don't know if they understand the jump they're about to make with the Big 12. I really don't. Yeah, they're going to the best like, conference. They're going to the best conference in college basketball. You're if right. you take this same team and you put them in the Big 12, Tom, yeah. they might win one game in the league. You're right. They're they're not good. Well, I So mean, my I concern you. is, is you go from two years where you don't beat Xavier, then all of a sudden, unless, unless in my opinion, you have a couple freshman phenoms or some guys in the portal that come and help and help fast. It's going to be a bad year next year for Wes in the Big 12. And then, the, and then who knows what happens. You get these rumors swirling and all this negative, negative vibes, et cetera, et cetera. I like Wes. I'm not saying it should be that way. But the way it should be and the way it is isn't always the same. That's what my concern is for Well, we'll for see UC. how it goes. To put it in perspective, the worst team in the Big 12 right now is ranked 54th. Cincinnati's 75th. And Kim Palm. Yeah. Right. And there's a whole so, pile of them in the top 35. And there's – I mean, there's – 
four in the top 25. Now, I will say this. As I've said before, UC has had the detriment of trying to recruit kids being in the American. And now that they go to the Big 12, they're opening, and Wes has already proved this, they're opening themselves up to the ability sure. to getting those four well, correct me if I'm wrong, Houston kids. is in the American. Well, that's because and they're Houston elite. Houston is coming into, are they not the Big 12 as well, Houston? They're going to yep. the Big 12. So, but Kelvin Sampson, Kelvin Sampson's a big-time coach. Well, and he's, I understand it's, that. It took him a minute to get there. I understand When he that. first came but into I'm the American. Saying, now all of a sudden, you're talking about the Big 12 and all the teams that are already in there, as Paul just alluded to. Now, all of a sudden, you're adding Houston to that group. I love Jolly Jolly, but when he comes into town, we're going to have to have a talk. Although Texas and Oklahoma are on the way out. I love Jolly Jolly. He's my old buddy. All right, boys. Have a good one. Thanks, Paul, don't enough. be mad at me. Oh, I'm not. Casey, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem, Tom. Basically, you know, Paul's going to sit over there wearing all his X stuff the rest of the year. Every time they break 75, he he's going to be, you know, hey. That's <laughs> all offense. That's all offense. All right, boys. Thanks, Tom. We're going to get to – thanks, Tom.